0: This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at NerdyLegion.com. Enjoy the show!
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special... Episode edition, whatever you want to call it, of Podcast of a Thousand Holds. My name is Mike, and joining me today is a pretty near 20 year independent veteran, promoter, uh, wrestler, manager, referee. He was uh, a, a dirty bird bouncer, an enforcer, a scuffling hillbilly. Larry Huntley, Larry, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks a lot, Mike. Been a long time, brother.
1: <laughs> it has, it has and uh I just i wanna jump back in time for you know at the beginning of there, and uh like I know I first met you at e w a in uh up up here in maine, and what uh you started out with there as uh security for a cup of coffee and then you were the hardcore referee
2: um, yeah they they uh wanted me to be seen, I guess, so they had me. I actually, out front, I was security, so people saw me for a couple shows, and then I was the hardcore referee for the fall, uh, what was it, the Brawl Without Law match. The
1: Brawl Without Law tournament, yes.
2: Yeah, Yeah, the night that Kill Devil thought he was going to break the entranceway, (laughs) but he didn't see the way the entranceway got assembled and how many...
1: I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I forgot all about oh, that. Oh
2: my! Oh, oh, geez, Mike, you have no idea. Him I and, forgot all him, about how, that. Like, I, oh yeah, he's gonna body slam me and suplex me through. I re- yes, half. I'm gonna take a choke slam. And I said, Ugh. I just say, you don't have a clue how that thing's put together, dude. You're not gonna make it. I yes, remember I that. Will.
1: I remember that. It was the uh, the entrance ramp that was built for the EWA. It came off yeah. the stage, said EWA down it, for those who don't know. Kind of like the old RAW ramp, except this was wooden and much smaller. And I guess he assumed that the plywood... I guess he assumed that you didn't put stringers all the way down the middle of it. We got
2: bumps. it. <laughs> all
1: those heavy wrestlers. And he just started taking bumps on it. And I remember watching every bump, his face just turning purple by the oh, end. because dude, I was
2: three feet from it. It was the funniest and most painful <laughs> thing to watch ever. That all was phenomenal. He took a body slam and his face went, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> And he said, and, and then he got up and he went for the soup pot. And he goes, "Never mind, we're all done." I they, moved, they moved away from it. Real. I remember quick. that. My favorite
1: part was he told you at the beginning what he was gonna do, and you just like – because you built it, didn't you?
2: No, I didn't build it. Uh, uh, St. Jean uh, Oh. Okay. They, they donated the wood. But you saw Jay it. High school. And yes. they built it. I helped assemble it every that's time. That's right.
1: That's right. But you you knew what it was made of. And oh, you didn't, I sure did, You didn't smart oh him up my, to it. They, you they just let him do it. There must
2: 150 pieces inside that yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Because at the next show, or I might. I don't even think you told him to the next show, when when he was like, you were like, Jay, come over here. Come look at, come look at this before we put the, the top pieces on. And then he saw yeah. the stringers running down. And he was like, well, I guess that's why it didn't break.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> I kept telling him, but he didn't believe me, so the next show I had to show him.
1: That was phenomenal. Gosh, had I had forgotten about way. that. Had that to, was hilarious.
2: That's like my stepson. He had to learn the hard way, brother. <laughs> so thank you
1: for that memory. So anyways, <laughs> um, so you were the, the the hardcore referee for the Brawl Without Law tournament, and then you started working in the ring. Did you wrestle before EWA anywhere? No. So how did you,
2: how did you, how did I get trained? Yeah. Is that the question?
1: Yes. How did you, how did you come to be in the ring?
2: Um, I had, let's see, I'd been in touch with people in EWA and I'd done a little security out back and done the, the gorilla position of running back and forth and doing all that. And, and, uh, I was in the gym down here. And, and a guy I knew wasn't even really good friends with was, was a wrestler, and he had his own wooden ring. And I'm like, holy crap! And he said, Yeah, I'll train you. I got, you know, I, I, I can't wrestle anymore actively, but you know, I'll, I'll train you. I'm like, holy crap! Do you want to he, share who that is? Matt Weber. Okay. He, he legitimately is one street parallel to where I live. And to where I've lived for the last twenty plus years, okay. and he had it out behind his house at the time, and we literally were a mile apart as you drive. That's how that's how close we were.
1: Now, did he did he wrestle did he wrestle before?
2: Oh yeah 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 he wrestled in Connecticut and a lot of I don't remember what his name was though at this yeah. point it's been so long. Well, that's his, cool. Him and his buddy were tag team and. And uh, he was the guy I wrestled in my first match. I was Inferno, the kid, the guy with the mask. Yeah, the Inferno kid guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but he'd been out of the business for probably three or four years. He'd had a bad back, and he was trying to get it fixed, and <sighs> you know, and and so it it was funny because my mother came over to watch us because she was dead set against it. So yeah. we uh, we we were over. At the, over there, and we we started our match in front of my mom and my stepdad, and we went crazy for, you know, four or five minutes. Yeah. And, and then in the middle of it, I said, all right, let's count down from three. And when I got down to zero, we both just stopped what we were doing, turned around and looked at her and said, see, we're fine. And that, that took care of a lot of it. Not all yeah. of it, but that took care of a lot of it. Yeah. You, know, you know, mommy's little boy.
1: That wooden ring must have felt pretty horrific?
2: No, it was awesome. It was, oh, was, really? Oh, phenomenal. It wasn't like it, it, the the two by 10s were fate were laying like you would on a regular ring. They weren't turned on their side.
1: Oh, okay. All
2: right. So it had huge spring in it.
1: Oh, nice. Nice. So from there you end up hooking up with EWA and then yep. you had your first quote unquote pro match in front of a crowd for the EWA.
2: Yes. Yep. And that, and it was really crazy cuz you know, I started out Most people start out in front of 50 people or 100 people. Oh, WWE
1: was in full swing then.
2: Exactly, I was wrestling in front of 250, 350 people a night.
1: And what date was what, what what was that date?
2: Uh, July 24th, 99, it said. Okay. No, I don't know that off the top of my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, see, for those who don't know, EWA I'm talking about, it's called Eastern Wrestling Alliance, it's a main independent promotion that started back in, uh, they their first shows in March of 1997,
2: I know I went, and then, um, jeez, I think the they, one
1: in uh, know I didn't go to the one in J. I went to one in Auburn at Edward Little High School. Okay. They did one in Jay the night before, and then they did Auburn the next night. Jay and I went to the one in Auburn.
3: Okay.
1: My buddy Jay. And uh, yeah, so they started in '97. They ran in Maine and through 2002 or three, and then they basically moved down to Massachusetts. And I don't, I think they're still alive in spirit. That's about it, about now.
2: Yeah, um Dr. Harrisie bought yeah. it and bought it down there and uh, they had a building down there. They were doing pretty good and then they lost the building. Yeah. And I think Dr. Harrisie just decided it was enough, so Yeah.
1: Well, I mean the EWA, they were um, you know, when they started, I I never even like I like I said I went to their I guess their second ever show, which was basically a Tony Rumble show, and then their yep. next show after that was in Bath and that was their first, you know, quote unquote Homegrown show. Yeah. And even that show in Bath had over 100 people at it. I don't think EWA ever had crowds. You know, once they got, go- they, you know, they had great crowds at the Lewiston Armory until they couldn't run that building anymore. And then they went down to the Stevens Ave Armory. And when they found the Stevens Ave Armory in Portland, they really found a home where they were drawing 350 to 400 people every single show.
2: They, uh, they, they, w- we were doing usually about 250. Or so. Um, and then, uh, like, the, the biggest crowd they ever did was that night I won the hardcore title. We did 450 people in there.
0: I remember that show, yeah.
2: And when they had the thing up, remember on the one side they had the, uh, the like, the storage units up on two layers? Yes, yep. They used to put the camera up there. Yep. That night was so loud and so raucous that the camera was shaking. Yep. We're t- it's on concrete blocks, dude. That was How impressive. How hard do you have to to <laughs> take a building with concrete blocks? Well,
1: I it. mean, they were drawing huge crowds there, I mean, for an indie yeah. show.
2: Like, yeah, they and, were. And,
1: and, you know, e- even from the beginning, they were drawing big crowds, you know, and then I think after 9-11, the September 11th there, they, after they couldn't use the armory anymore. And I think that's when they really started to wane because they didn't have that that home base anymore. I know they jumped around a few different places, but they never really, you know, they never really came back to that prominence.
2: Nope, like that they was, had. That was pretty much the the start yeah. of the downfall. There was no. Yeah. You know, it was it was it was sad. It was funny because oh yeah, they uh um they were they had the other thing they had was when. After the Tony Rumble shows were done, Yep. when when it was you know basically the Tony Atlas was running it with the yep. guys there, yep. that was the best wrestling locker room in New England.
1: That was a that was a great
2: group of guys. You had Tony Atlas and Kevin Landry, and yep. you had Sweet uh, Ashworth when he Sweet was Sweet Scott Ashworth. He was Scotty the Body.
3: Yep.
2: way before the the jive talking funny guy, you know.
0: Yep.
2: Um, they had all the guys. They had a very young crew of cruiserweights. Slick Wagner Brown at 170 pounds.
1: I know. I have pictures. They, it's... they had
2: Jay Gillette and Steve Ramsey and uh, who was Jason the, Rage. Jason Rage. Yeah. act the first time I went they announced him as Jason Ravage, which was funny as hell. <laughs> he um but they had the, the best locker room. I mean, they had um who else did they have?
1: Well they had a lot of they, young guys. I mean, eventually you had Tony Adam
2: Hastings. Tony brought in who's now Brody Steele. He was the Canadian Hercules. Oh and, yeah. Oh, I mean, they they had the best. There was no there was nothing that compared in the in the entire in all of New England, dude. And then I had a chance, to, and then literally I had a chance to wrestle those guys. Most of those guys had gone, but when I started wrestling, because Tony was gone. But I mean, you're still talking, you know, the the be- some of the best guys in New England. You, you know, Worthington and and Ramsey and DeSanto and Heresy and Mike Steele, and Johnny Idol, and, yep. and just, just name them. They were all there. I mean, they even had, I
1: remember other names they had brought in. You know, they had Brian Walsh yep. uh, for a few early earlier shows. I mean, and don't forget, I mean, I know you already said his name, but maybe you didn't, but the Robbie Ellis.
2: Yep, and don't forget know. Dave Vicious. Man. Oh,
1: delicious Dave Vicious. You know what's funny? I, I just heard something new today about him. I had no idea. I'm going to share it with you real quick. I was listening to The Art of Wrestling with Frankie Kazarian, and yeah. he talked about – Frankie talked about getting a uh, uh, a match in front of the boys only in ECW, like a tryout match that was just yeah. in front of the boys, and he wrestled Dave Vicious.
2: Yeah, Dave had an offer to go to ECW, but he I didn't – I had
1: never heard that before.
2: He didn't, didn't want to do that stuff.
1: I know he had his match on Shotgun Saturday night. Yeah. I think, he had, I, think he had, I think he had a couple WWE, you know, enhancement matches or whatever. I had never heard that ECW match, though, before.
2: I didn't know about the match itself, but I knew he had a tryout, yeah. and I knew that he they had offered him something, but he didn't want to do it.
1: Yeah, he was a. I mean, just just going back though, real quick, because I want to finish up. I want to keep name dropping a little bit. But some of the other New England names <laughs> that they had in there. You had uh, Matt, you know, uh, Mad Dog and, and uh, Draven. Mad, yep. Mad Dog, Matt Storm, and Draven, the Damned. You know, yeah. you had. Uh, you had Damon, Doc, Angelo, and you had Steve King, which together they were the Archangels, one of my all-time favorite yeah. tag teams. Too bad they didn't actually tag in EWA.
2: No, they fought each other more. They often. They
1: fought each other more often than not, and had some great matches actually fighting each other. I mean, You've you had been, a lot of talk. of the
2: night they? You remember the night they did the brawl and they went through the concession stand?
1: I have that match because I bought. Uh, <laughs> I have the best. I have the Archangels. I bought the Archangels VHS tape off Damon. Oh yeah. Uh, back in the day and then I converted it to D V D when I when I we used to be able to do that. So I actually have that on D V D and um I you know I, I gave Damon a copy. I think it's actually on their YouTube page right now, but yeah, when they went into the concession stand at the Lewiston Armory and Man, I'd love to go to a wrestling show again at the Lewiston Armory. That was a yeah. great building.
2: It doesn't look the same though anymore, bro.
1: Oh, I haven't been inside in years. Does it still have the balconies?
2: The uh, I don't even think it has the bow. Bal- it's just a hollowed out shell now. I think. Is
1: it really? I used yeah. to have those awesome balconies.
2: Yeah, you it know, always, and the it balls just... always ended up one a night. And someone threatening to throw somebody off it.
1: Yep, those are good times.
2: <laughs> good times.
1: But they had a lot of top names in the EWA, and it was, yep. I, I'm, you know, looking back now, like I realized how spoiled I was because you know independent wrestling in maine i didn't know a lot about it i know like yankee pro would run shows here and there i know the Savoldis ran shows here and there but like i'd never see advertising them. so once i you know because like with ewa you know once we, we saw a poster for the first show went we got on their mailing list they would mail us postcards in the mail to let us know when the next shows were yeah you know like that's how we found out about it so archaic u.s postal service but like
2: well that you know, was, I, that was before you 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 leave your you know nowadays yeah. you know guys like me will, when i put on a show sometimes i'll put the 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 sheet out and say yeah. leave me your facebook name or your email yeah. address and we'll do the same thing so yeah.
1: but uh you know I, I i think i got spoiled because of like going to those shows that always had such a great turnout and such lively rowdy fans and then and this is no disrespect to what's what happened the last, what's been going on the last few years in Maine but there's been a lot of different groups running in Maine and you know except for like a few shows here and there for the most part you're you know you're not looking at huge crowds any you know for the you know No I mean.
2: but but I think it's actually coming back bro
1: It's absolutely coming back now these last couple of years absolutely you know um,
2: I mean I got my little show at Skips, but it's more for training for my young guys, and I love to do show at Skips, because that's where I train, so I don't have to pay for a building, so just use it, you know? But I mean, I'm doing that show at Geno's, and in two shows, I've gone up from 130 to 150. I do shows at Jimmy's. I do smaller buildings, but my buildings are full.
1: And, and that's the thing, really. Is I think what you're seeing is an independent wrestling resurgence these days. Not a wrestling resurgence, but like an independent wrestling
2: resurgence. Yes, absolutely.
1: You know, um, I mean, you look get at Limitless. they the
2: stuff that's on the on the air, and they're seeing other stuff they can go see themselves.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you look at like what Limitless is doing in Westbrook now. Yeah. Drawing some big crowds, and uh, it's it's great. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan, really. I mean, there's between. Your Fed, Limitless, and you know Bombs, IWE, and a few others. There's there's quite a few wrestling opportunities in Maine alone to go see. But yeah. I mean, but it's it's not just Maine, obviously. I mean, it's it's all over. There's an independent. I believe there's an independent wrestling boom everywhere right now, and I think it's great.
2: That's awesome. So I'm going through my website, and somebody yeah. made it for me. So I and I just keep using it because it makes it easy to do this yeah. kind of stuff. And I'm just scrolling through some of my matches. I mean, Aaron Morrison. Yep. Phenomenal guy down there. I think he's in like Worcester area. Yep. You know, Fra- Frankie Armadillo. Mr.
1: Muscles, Frankie Armadillo. There you go. Yes, with Doctor Ever mean, Payne.
2: Exactly. Remember I, the
1: I, old uh, the Asian contingent with. That's uh,
2: right. Yep. With Johnny I, I with the young Johnny Curtis. Dragon. Sun Dragon sounds awful familiar.
1: (laughs) Sun Dragon, a.k.a. the new, uh, not the new, but uh, Fandango from the WWE. Right. As a young masked Sun Dragon in the Asian contingent, you know. uh, Brian Black. Yeah. Short time as Palmer Canyon up in the Fed, up in the WWE, whatever. I mean, there's.
2: You know, like, uh, you know, Mike Steele and Johnny Idol. And, I mean, just some of the people that that were. uh, Chichi Cruz. I mean, I. The, the names that we had. And yep. don't, don't forget Romeo Racing oh. there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, all right. Enough said about him. But
1: <sighs> there was uh, there was a lot. There was a lot of names ah. there. A lot of people in, in and about the uh, EWA back then. It made it a lot of fun. Made it a lot of fun. <sighs> so you debuted back in 99 yep and uh, from there you mean you? when did you I mean you worked for EWA primarily
2: I worked for EWA for probably the first year and a half
1: yeah when did you so start going when did you start branching out
2: um I'm looking otherwise <laughs> I would have no clue uh shoot it was longer than that man we're talking like 2002 oh wow yeah.
1: So you've stayed uh, primarily with the EWA.
2: Of, the summer of two thousand one. Have you ever heard of the Loomis?
1: Yep.
2: The Loomis Arena? Yeah, oh
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> that's that was the the first place I ever went anywhere else. Um, you know, I got to work with Billy Black and and uh Venom, Chris Venom. Yep uh Tripolicious. You know, so yep. I mean that's and then from there I started to work in other places. I got lucky Because I started, um, I got in touch with Gary Langevin, who was the uh, Green Mountain wrestling promoter. Yeah. And I went, and and Steve Ramsey wrestled there, and uh, they needed a ref. And he's like, yeah, just call Larry. He'll do it. So I went there. I drove four hours to go to Newport, Newport, Vermont. I'm like 10 miles from the Canadian border um, just to be a ref. But within five or six months I was ref for, I was wrestling the dark match and then I'd referee afterwards. So, and, and that was another great locker room with Bob Evans and, and, uh, uh Maverick wild and Alex Arian. And I mean, just nay, they were all there, man. So, I mean, I've had, I got really lucky in the beginning cause I was working in front of, you know, hundreds of people every night, which, especially now doesn't really happen I mean when people are cutting their teeth they're cutting their teeth in front of 40 or 50 people 75 people maybe 100 if they're lucky you know and at the time you don't realize how good you have it you know but now but now you sit back I sit back and look and go wow I was over my head wasn't I but back (laughs) then you think back then you think you're, you're right there bro and it's like wow but I had all those guys to learn from and to listen to, you know. Yep. Shut your mouth and listen. Yep. And as long as as long as you can listen and do what you're told and and listen and, and acknowledge what they're saying and digest it for yourself, you know you'll be better at it.
1: Now, after uh, EWA left, when did you start promoting your when when did you start promoting for your for yourself? Like, what what was
2: uh, do you remember then? Oh. oh, that was forever. Um, I, we did. Let me think. Let me, let me see here, I mean, bro. I know, you've,
1: I know your, your, your league has had a bunch of different names. But what was the first one? We had one? a bunch of different names. <laughs> I first...
2: No, that was still...
1: Was it New I, Wrestling Horizons?
2: I'm looking, bro. I don't have a clue. I feel uh, like it was New Wrestling uh, yeah, it was New Horizons. Yeah, New Wrestling Horizons. Yeah,
1: Yeah, because <laughs> I had not been to... I had not been to an indie show for a little while there. Because um, of work and whatnot. And I remember seeing a poster, actually... For New Wrestling Horizons at uh, Honky Tonk Man, Fairfield. Yep. And I went to that show. And uh, I used to run Skip's Bar Weekly.
2: Yep. That was in like 04 or 05. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it was. And so you you had New Wrestling Horizons. And then you got hooked up with, uh, hold on.
2: We were going to call it New Horizons Wrestling. But we didn't want everyone to think it meant New Hampshire. Yeah. So we just flipped the flipped the words and the initials so
1: Okay. Still works. <laughs> now that was when you say we, was that you and Sonny?
2: Yeah, it was me and Sonny.
1: Now uh, how'd you how'd you meet up with Sonny?
2: Sonny owned the pizza place down here in Buxton. Shit, and really? Yeah. He owned the Buxton house of pizza.
1: All I've ever known him is to be a uh, car dealer.
2: No, he owned. He was a car dealer, and then he quit that, and he started. He, he had like two or three different restaurants over the years. Yeah, and uh, um, you know, sonny's a hustler, bro. Oh
1: and, yes, he you know, is.
2: Whether Hold he's down. whether he's selling pizza or he's selling, you know, a, a, a car to somebody, he's a hustler. Yeah,
3: um,
2: nice he guy. actually, I had my ring, the wooden one. Yep. And, and he wanted to come train with me, and. And I and I said, well, how big are you? He goes, well, I'm six three and three hundred and eighty pounds, and I got that wooden ring, and I'm like, holy crap, he's gonna kill it. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, bro, I I can't help you, sorry, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's how we met, and yeah. then. Um, because he was the pizza place down the corner, we talked wrestling after he started wrestling for Rampage and doing all yeah, that so He stuff. started
1: up with Rampage up in Yeah, uh, he started Bangor. up with
2: Ken. Yeah. And then Sonny saw me enough that Sonny started talking uh, me to Ken. Yeah. But all Ken kept hearing was the fact that I did hardcore matches cause that's what they told me I had to do.
3: Yeah.
2: And Ken kept tell- uh, Sonny kept telling him, he goes, Ken, Larry doesn't wrestle that way. Larry doesn't pick something up, hit you. No. Pick something else up, hit you. It was no. put a prop down and wrestle around it for two and a half minutes. Yep. Go put a second prop up and wrestle around that and then go back to the first one. Yep. You know, there were, there were three props using the whole match. It wasn't, you know, another 30 seconds, time to hit you with something. You know, yeah, no, was- it
1: wasn't, uh, what, you know, the... It's lovably called garbage wrestling where you just beat each other with with gimmicks all the time. I
2: had gimmicks, so I did, but I worked around those gimmicks as much as I could because I didn't want to hurt as bad as I had to.
1: Right. No, I do remember that, actually. I remember that 100% how you would do that, how you would uh, introduce an item, rather be the garbage can, a chair, table, whatever, and then you would – yeah. And then you would wrestle around it before you finally, you know, had the high spot where you someone took the bump with it or got hit with it or whatever.
2: Exactly. And but that, it
1: wasn't nonstop.
2: Right. It was wrestling, and then we had to use a prop, so we used a prop. Yep. yep. You know, and finally, can watch something or listened or something, and and I started working for Rampage, and that that was a whole different ordeal. Oh.
1: I never went to any of their shows. I, I don't like to travel that far for an indie show unless there's good reason to.
2: Yeah, there, there wasn't. Yeah. I first started, I was working John Breyer and Justice for like six or seven months straight. And I was like, oh, you're killing me. They didn't listen. <laughs> Ken, Ken, Ken got people to learn how to do moves. Yeah. It wasn't much on you know, teaching them how to work. And it was like, come on, you're killing me, guys. John used to throw a clothesline that would ring my bell every night because he would hook you down instead yep. of striking through you. Yep. And my brain would go, would just disappear. I'd forget the, what was going to happen. So so I'd, and he was the baby face. And that was usually right in the open. So as soon as I, I'd have to roll out to get my head back, and as soon as I, he'd come out to get me, and I'd cut him right off, and I'd go... Hope you enjoyed your shine, because that's all it is, bro. <laughs> and I, I go to beating his ass. Um, that's, uh, why does, that's why he does that little Lex Luger thing. Oh, yeah. With a little forearm to the head.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, so, oh, sorry. I knew where I wanted to go with this, and I just lost track of a little bit. Uh, so when you started New Wrestling Horizons, uh, you were running in what Fairfield and Buxton, pretty much.
2: Yeah, we did uh, Oakfield too.
1: Oakfield as well. Okay, all right. Yep. And then you switched the name to the NAWA.
2: Yeah, we uh, we joined we 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 joined right. uh, Dale Gagne's. Okay. NAWA.
1: I wanted to jump on that. How did you get hooked up with Dale? Dale Gagne and the AWA All Stars and that whole business.
2: Uh, that was Sonny was the big idea guy. Yeah. I was always the i daughter and the T crosser, and made sure everything made sense. Yeah. So that was Sonny's big thing about getting with the AWA because then it puts a little more value to what you are. You have a little history. You have the, right. you know, at the time, you know, you're going by what he's saying. You know, so we took him at his word. We didn't know any different that you know? he
1: legitimately had connect that he had Correct. connections yeah. with the old AWA, as opposed yeah. to the fact he was just being a carny.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Now,
2: yeah. so we didn't know, but you know what? He was putting it out there, and the cost of membership was low, and AWA was still an old school name that people remembered. Absolutely. And if you made it make me, if you made it more valuable then it made itself more valuable, made your company more valuable. So if you made the AWA mean something again, it, it's a cycle that, you know, a 22 that keeps coming back to you. So it helps us, which helps them, which helps us.
1: That was in um, – so, yeah, at the time, you guys were going by AWA North Atlantic. Yep. That was in 2007 timeframe because I remember I got here in front of me, you know, February 21st, 2007, you guys brought in uh, Steve Carino.
2: Yeah, we sure did.
1: Who was the AWA – quote-unquote AWA world champ at the time. Um, now, didn't your affiliation with the AWA lead you to being able to travel to, like, we, was it Canada, to a couple of big shows up there?
2: We uh, we, we would – that had nothing – Canada had nothing to do with them. That oh, was okay. us – that was me and Sonny just getting a spot at a show up in uh, – uh, first they started in Irish Town, which is funny considering it's French – uh, Irish Town, uh, New Brunswick
1: yep. for
2: IHW.
1: Innovative yeah. hybrid wrestling, yeah.
2: Right. And they were drawing like 80, 120 people, something like that. And But they were doing all that, you know, Ring of Honor, stiff, that Canadian, you know, the, the Quebec stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: And... They didn't have any true old-school heels, so we were something they didn't have. And we walked in, and the the heat we got, we, we, we claim part of the credit for them going to the next— I can't remember the town next door, but the one right outside Moncton, yeah. where they started running their shows. We claim—I claim responsibility for some of that, okay, because— legitimately they didn't have any true heels because everyone was doing the you know they had they had right. good guys and they had bad guys but even the bad guys were were playing up to the fans a little bit you know they were doing the the stuff you see at a lot of the current promotions these days right you know whereas me and Sonny were old school heels and if you cheer me I'm gonna do something to piss you off enough so you don't cheer me. I don't care how bad I have to get. I will do whatever I have to. I'll, you know, I'll threaten to rip his nuts off and feed them to him, if it gets you to booming. me, you know. And right. and so us being true heels, it, we we had the Amer- we we went up there as Team America. And I'm like, Sonny, we can't be Team America. He goes, Of course they can. If they can have Team Canada and TNA, they can be Team America in Canada. I said, Okay. So we went out to Fox's uh, football song, football entrance thing. There we came out with the American flag, and we're—I mean, just the fact that it was Bush and President, yeah—they were people were pissed. And the, the the first time we went out there, we got over right away. The second time, I did the Pledge of Allegiance, and I said, "One Nation under George W. Bush, with liberty and justice for all." You want to hear people get pissed? <laughs> oh man, they were pissed. We were set, man. We, I mean, it, one guy spit on Sonny. They was so pissed. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know what was happening, and Sonny, Sonny's like, "Here, hold this," and hands it to Moment the belt. Yeah, and I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" So I hand my belt to Moment too. And the kids spin on Sonny, and Sonny's like, Sonny, I'd have been bullshit. I probably would have hit the dude. Yeah. But Sonny's just like, you know, Sonny just played it up and played it up and played it up until they made us leave, um, and it made us over even more again. I mean, we, we went from 125 people in Irish town, New Brunswick, to the town next door, we were doing... 300 350 people in a huge you know like a, a huge it wasn't a rec center it was like a convention not a convention of uh, a function center i mean it had one big it, 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 i think it was a rec center but it was huge it had a bar in it and it had all kinds of stuff it was two to three times the size of the old one and we like doubled and a half their, their attendance from the time we started. And we ain't claiming all the credit for it, but I know some of it was ours.
1: But you guys definitely yeah. popped the territory.
2: Yes, we popped the territory.
1: <laughs> now, I was, again, um, my memory that I have of this is you guys working matches like up in Manitoba, I thought, for like the AWA. Or
2: was that an NWA convention? Oh, no. Uh, I went, Sonny, Sonny just... Sonny decided he wasn't going. Uh, It was it was an NWA convention because of of Jason Rumble.
1: Okay, so that's what it was. I was thinking of then. I thought it was related to the AWA somehow, but that was an NWA. uh, That was up in Manitoba, though,
2: right? That was the first convention I went to. It was up in Manitoba. It was in Winnipeg, okay, yeah, the city on the on the planet. (laughs) We went up like the tenth of October, and there was already like ten or twelve inches of frozen snow. And it was so cold. Winter jackets, because we knew it was going to be cold, and it was even worse. (laughs) It was absolutely awful. And it was the only time, but I got to meet and deal with the ever-lovely Ernie Todd. Have you ever heard of Ernie Todd?
1: I have actually not heard of Ernie Todd.
2: Okay, well, I'm not going to get into it, because it really isn't that big a deal. But go pull up on YouTube Steve Carino talking about Ernie Todd. (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. something you can do on your own time. He he's he was an aborigine that ran the promotion up there, and at the time, he he used to be the president of the NWA, and he did some shady stuff, and he just 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 a a bad another bad Carney, an awful Carney. He when people came down on him for some of the stuff he did, he said they were racist because he was an aborigine. You know he was going straight to all that stuff instead of the you know being yeah. a promoter, you know, trying to short people on money, you know, just absolute garbage. and so
1: you you had a negative experience with him,
2: yes, yes, I did, but I was we were promised matches, and we had we they weren't even gonna put put me in anything except for the Battle royal, and I'm like, I did not drive thirty hours. yes, children, thirty hours actually, it was thirty one. To go do a battle royal.
1: So that's not a down and back in one day type of
2: thing, then? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 um, but then they ended up giving me and Gino a tag match, but we were against his boys, so we beat the snot out of them for, oh, probably eight or ten minutes, and then we got disqualified, so they won. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, guys. Like, they, the kids weighed as much as I did combined.
3: Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, but then we did other. We did the uh, the NWA convention in Tennessee. Yep. Um, we also did the AWA convention down in North Carolina.
1: Okay, so you did do an AWA convention before yep. they finally got uh,
2: shut yeah. down. Yeah. Yep. And we actually left before they got shut down.
1: So yeah, how 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 did you end up leaving them?
2: Um, Dale had promised us stuff. Yep uh dale had promised me and sunny um the tag titles we did the we did the uh convention actually there was two conventions we went to yeah. we went to the one in wisconsin as well where we wrestled um oh phil davis and who was the big the big fat Guy there, there was his brother. Oh,
1: Heart- Sean Davis, the Heartbreak Express.
2: Yes, we wrestled yes. them in, in in Wisconsin. Okay. A- and they hadn't decided who they were putting the titles on.
1: Oh, you know what? I remember all this now. Actually, I yeah. do remember all this now. Yes, the heartbreak cause the Heartbreak Express. Because, geez, I I'd, I'd heard of them before, but I didn't see them in person until 2008 when I went to uh, WrestleMania 24 in Orlando. Yeah. I went to an indie show down there, and they were on an indie show against Bruce Santee and. John Davis, and they, they –
2: John, Bruce Anti is a – Violent. Monk. Huh? I, I wrestled him in Florida. Holy crap, is he strong.
1: Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Yeah. No, I found it here now, finally, uh, in my notes here. You uh, you and Gino Martino, and that's the Gino you are talking about, Gino Martino. Yeah. The uh, Guinness World Record for uh, yeah. pounding nails working. into oh. a board and something else with his head. Yeah.
2: Yep, he was. Uh, he did a strongman thing with uh, bowling ball on the block yeah. on and we did all that stuff at, at the convention.
1: Yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw Gino was it was actually at an EWA show, I think.
2: And was it, was it the one with him and uh, uh, Rufo? When he was doing the strongman competition at the Battle Royal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At the Royal Rumble, I should say. Yeah,
1: that that was the worst attended EWA show I think I ever went to. Yeah. Because, first of all...
2: You you didn't go to the one in Waterville.
1: That's what I'm talking about. I went to the one in Waterville where they had 14 people, I want to say.
2: Yeah. And
1: whoever the... Because they didn't... like That was a new venue for them. And they relied on someone else to do advertising, this and that, and they didn't.
2: Uh. Correct.
1: And then, like the entrance to the building, there wasn't a light by it, so you couldn't even yeah. see where the door was.
2: Can I can I tell you the greatest rib or rib and then reply to the rib? Yes. You remember my entrance music that night? No. It was uh, the Duke's of Hazard.
1: Oh yes, okay yes, I remember and that I now. Was
2: yeah. Pissed. Yes. And I wasn't going out, and I didn't care, and all that stuff, and finally I went out and we did our match. Well, that was Matt, Mad Dog, yep. talking to his now wife, Andrea. Yes, Andrea, she That's ran
1: me. the music, yes, I remember that.
2: And they played that music as a rib on Larry. So yep. I'm downstairs afterwards and I go, hey, Matt, is your old lady good enough to take the, take the rib like she gave the rib? She go, he goes, she better be. So I said, all right, here's what we're going to do.
1: Oh, my God, I remember this now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So she got me real good with the music.
1: Yes, I remember this now.
2: So what we did was I said, all right, everybody in the (laughs) locker room has to play along with this, It's all to get Adrian, all right?
1: I remember this 100%. It was awesome.
2: So we go – uh somebody I was like on the second match or something, so after that somebody goes up and tells Adrian that Larry is pissed. is pissed okay to say I don't know what you guys oh are.
1: yeah, no that's fine I okay. just I want to paint a picture real quick for everyone on this. This was at a school, and there was a stage on the school, and the curtains were closed, so we're all behind the curtains, and that's where the music is and everything. And then the locker rooms were downstairs, but this didn't happen downstairs in the locker room. This happened up up on the stage, like behind the curtains. And the music, music was, was on the floor. Yeah, the music was on the floor, but it, it happened up behind the curtain there, not not
2: downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. And I remember is that. And this is the place that, that Cameron ran that show.
1: Cameron ran a show there that drew like 350 people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and I well, was like, Cameron, this can't be the same building.
2: Oh, it was. I know yeah. it was, but yeah. So, anyway, we, uh, so I said, all right, send somebody up and go tell Adrian that I'm pissed and just to stay away from me.
3: Yep.
2: So, somebody goes up and does that. A match later, somebody goes up and goes, intermission, stay away from him. Don't talk to him. He doesn't want to talk to you. Just stay away. So, and then intermission comes out, and I go out to sell pictures and stuff. And I come out, and I look at her, and I just walk away. I'm, and I just walk away. Yeah. And we build it, and we build it. And we and, and after the thing, uh, uh, somebody else goes up to her and says, you know, you just want to stay out of the way, because Larry has not calmed down. He's absolutely bullshit. And just, you don't even, don't bring it up, because he's going to go friggin' nuts.
1: And I remember her just being like, she, at first, she was like, oh, geez, I'm sorry. And then it got built to the point where she was uh-huh. just like, why is he so mad? It's just music. Like, yeah. she was so bewildered. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So the the end of the show's over, okay? Yeah. And, and we tell everybody, everybody goes out except for Larry. And everybody's out there breaking down the ring except Larry. And then I wait like five minutes. And I come out and I'm and I start I start right in on her. I go straight to her and I just what are you doing? And literally I'm telling her. I said, "Adrian, why did you do that? That is not professional. You are supposed to be the DJ for the company. You're not here to be ribbing people. What's wrong with you?" And I'm just getting in her face and just going off on her and she's like well i was i was told i said if you were told to jump off a bridge would you jump then jump you know i'm just i'm getting nasty you know and at that point mad dog it's his his wife he's like larry that's enough get away and i'm like tough shit i don't care what are you gonna do about it nothing yeah we'll leave my wife alone and you're gonna find out and we were like yelling at each other. All the fans were gone. We were like yes. screaming at each other. Oh, yeah. And then we wait, we like gemmed and hawed back a little bit. And, and Adrian's over in the corner trying to say something. And I'm like, shut up. And, and it's just getting louder and louder and louder. And then finally, me and Matt jump on each other. And all of us there's like 15 wrestlers pulling us apart. what's your problem? You can't let your old lady fight her own battles Larry shut up or I'm gonna knock you out. I don't think you could knock out anybody you're nothing but a pus <laughs> <laughs> and we went we went like in like a 30 foot section we were going all over the place yeah he yes. must have done this for us. Two minutes, three It was, minutes. The,
1: it was, it was no doubt the best match of the night, by the way. Okay, like you guys it, are stiffing each other.
2: Oh yeah. Oh
1: absolutely. Just laying them in. Oh absolutely. We gotta look. We gotta make it look real. Let's yeah, lay well, it we, in. Yeah, you guys, absolutely. So, you guys are being stiffer with each other than you than you were earlier with the paid but we were attendance.
2: It was the top of the head. It wasn't going to oh, hurt. Oh yeah. Me, you well, know? no, but still, right, it so, was just we're throwing work punches. That's for sure. Yeah. So so we literally fight for like 3 minutes with people pulling us you know it took it seemed like even longer i mean it seemed like it was like fire. i was exhausted we were going so hard okay. <laughs> and then A- A-
1: adrian was crying
2: oh i know she was and, it's, yep. and then and then literally we fought so that we were like 6 feet away from her and she's over there and she got tears in her eyes and I and I go, you ready? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we'll do it because I'd said once, and he goes, no. He, he said he goes, no, no, no. Keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so so he even said it. So uh, I go, all right, three, two, one, and all all twenty of us stop. Look at. It. I go, how you doing, Adrian? She like you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I didn't know why you were so upset. It was just music. <laughs> oh my god. And it was so funny. It was a good well, rib. And that's when I said, be careful who you rib, because the ribs could come back to you. And I, I don't think, think she ever ribbed anybody else. I think <laughs> Matt got some heat for that for a while, too. <laughs> oh, I haven't thought about that in probably eight years.
1: God, I haven't thought about that in forever as well. Oh, That was a good time.
2: <laughs> good
1: times. Anyways, Gino, actually, while you were talking about that, I remembered, I, Gino did his uh, the uh, gray... What was it the um yeah it was that show in, in Waterville with like you know like I said a bomb scare attendance basically and he did bed he laid on a bed of nails.
2: I I I'm wondering if you're getting the two mixed up.
1: What do you think I'm thinking of?
2: Because the bed of nails he did at the Auburn show.
1: I saw him do it more than once.
2: Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah,
1: I saw him do it more than once. I remember the
2: once. once in Auburn where they had the royal R- the celebrity royal rumble.
1: Oh yeah, that yeah I remember that as well. But I know he did the bed and mails more than once because I just remember thinking like, there's nobody here. Why is he doing that?
2: Oh, uh, because he's Gino.
1: Because he's Gino.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Gino. Yeah. Can he's I say a, a joke about the battle royal?
1: Hell, is, yeah, of course you can.
2: I was uh, that was my first nut. That was my return match to wrestling cuz I'd wrestled like 5 or 6 matches. You know, I was I was selling tickets. They liked decently what I was doing, but they wanted me to go train more. To keep yeah. you all, out there, we're going to let you going to go back to being the referee again. I said, "All right, whatever. I don't care. I got to spot the best company in New England." So, my that was the night I wrestled Dan Mason and I threw him through the chairs and just just beat the snot out of him. And then uh, I refereed the Royal Rumble. And this guy named Tiger Cody.
1: I remember that, yeah.
2: Who was five foot four?
1: He's a state representative at the
2: time. Yeah, the only way he won the state representative was because he had the exact same name as the former representative that had passed away and people didn't know it.
1: Okay, that's first I've heard of that
2: one. That's how he won the thing. Okay, and he was so bad, he brought promo pics thinking people wanted to buy them of a 55-year-old man who had never been a wrestler, who was a state representative that wore a mask so they wouldn't know it was him. Even though he said that's who he was. Right. Okay, he got in the ring, and it was the funniest thing ever. He got in the ring with Worthington, and he turned Worthington around and chopped him.
1: Oh, God.
2: Okay, Worthington throws a nice chop.
1: Yes, he does. Yes, he he
2: does. turned Tiger Cody around and chopped him once. And Tiger Cody fell down and sat on the bottom rope. Couldn't move. Stuck there from one chop. It was so nice. Literally, he backed Worthington. In and I just like watch this. I'm on the floor as a referee going, watch this, watch this. And when he hit him, I was, oh, this is gonna be good. Scott turned him around and lit him up. Just hit him once. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice. Do you ever? uh So you're you're. Uh, so I know we're jumping around a lot, but that's just how it, how it goes sometimes. Hey,
2: it happens, bro.
1: So you know with your, your travels in wrestling. You know, obviously took you around New England. Took you to Canada. Yeah. For yeah. The other NWA convention show you went down in Tennessee. Wisconsin, yeah. in North Carolina. Yeah. Any place else?
2: That I've wrestled?
1: Yeah. Like any blank. Like,
2: oh. oh, I've wrestled in I wrestled Santee in Florida. Um, for big time a couple of years ago I've been I went to Georgia. I've been to South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, uh, Maryland. Uh um, Puerto Rico? I've been to Puerto Rico twice. For
1: Savio Vega, right?
2: Uh the first time Mario brought us down and the second time Savio brought us down.
1: When you say us and, Me and Sonny. Up, you and Sonny Me down, and down for now yeah. the show you worked for Mario, what show was that?
2: That was it was the first the first weekend we did we did uh Caguas and Penjuelas. Yeah. Um and the first night we wrestled a couple of, of, uh, jobber guys and we we're like, all right, we're going to be wrestling for a weekend and you guys have to keep wrestling. So we're like the heels. So we'll do like 60, 40, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys give us almost as much as we give you. Cause you got to keep working here. Right. And we're trying to get this through to two guys who don't speak English and we don't speak Spanish. So the guy, Shane, Glamour Boy Shane, hears what's going on. Yeah. And he goes, Hold on a minute. And he went and told uh, Gonzalez, who is the, the agent, one of the bookers, I guess, whatever. And he goes, No, 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 no. I want you to destroy them. 90 10, 90, That's where I learned the percentage stuff <laughs> from, from, from Gonzalez. So, and
1: I've based all my matches on that ever since.
2: <laughs> I have absolutely, I have. When I book, that's what I tell people. You know, 75-25 five, twenty five. You're not getting much in, but you're gonna get, you're gonna win when they slip on a banana peel. You know, I that's the way I that's the way I do it now because it makes it easier instead of them trying to figure out what I'm telling them. Yeah, I give them a number. There you go, figure that out. You know, and then the next night we're wrestling Hiram Tua, yeah, and Carlitos. Which are which were the biggest? They were the biggest babies on the island, but combined they didn't weigh as much as Sunny. And once again, we're sitting here going, "All right, well these are the babies that we're putting them over. We know that, so we gotta we gotta really, you know, yeah, we do another sixty forty match. And once again, Gonzalez comes up to us and says, "No way, you destroy them, you hit them with everything." And then they ended up doing the cross body. I can't remember if it was a crossbody and the dropkick or uh, he thumped one of them and they ended up doing the schoolboy gimmick where they both jumped on him or something. But whatever it is, that's – I mean, literally, he's like, no, no, no. In order to get sympathy on the island, you got to beat the shit out of them, man. And I went, <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: um, how, how was it down in Puerto Rico? I mean, like, did you – what was your experience?
2: Uh it was it was the first time we went was in February so it was really nice weather wise um it was we were you know make sure that you are not out somewhere you don't know at night you know that kind of thing so daytime and nighttime in Puerto Rico was was literally night and day so um but I had a great time down there we were on the island for like Four and a half days. We only wrestled two shows, and were they, we got relaxed. And were they you know, stadium was,
1: shows, like outside stadiums, uh, inside one, the venues? First was,
2: the first one was in a gym.
1: Okay.
2: And we get there, and there's like 900 people in there. And we, we walk out there, and like, go, "Oh, 900 people. That's awesome." And all the Puerto Ricans like, "No, no, no, man, that sucks." Last years ago, we used to do 1,500, 2,000 people in this same little gym. I'm like, oh, it's still nine hundred people. I like <laughs> people. The next night we're in a baseball stadium.
3: Yeah.
2: And there's twenty five hundred people out there. Damn. And uh and I go and I and we look out through the curtain and we're like, Yeah, the twenty five hundred people. That sucks. What do you mean that sucks? We used to do four or five thousand people every week. There's still twenty five hundred people. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, wow, you know, i I'd never wrestled in front of a crowd like that before. You know, and, and it was just, we loved it down there. It was, it was so much fun. And we, we, they gave us a Puerto Rican manager to talk for us. Yep. Um, and we're wrestling that second night and they all start chanting something in Spanish. And I don't know what it is. And I tell my manager, what is that? What are they saying? You don't want to know. Just wrestle. (laughs) (laughs) So. Well, they, I get in the ring, I beat him up a little bit, I tag Sonny back in, I'm on the apron again, he's doing it again, and I go, what are they saying? No matter, just go wrestle, you don't want to know. Alright, so I go back and do it again, I come back the third time, and he goes, you don't want to know. I go, yes I do, they're calling you fat frogs. It's <laughs> literally the guy didn't understand what i said and i looked at him i go a guy we're not even french what do you mean fat frogs?" he went right over his head <laughs> you know, up here in maine we all know what you know what, what oh, yeah. frogs are french you know and uh so yeah we had a lot of fun down there man so, shane shane seoul glamour boy shane yep is hulk hogan on that island yeah hulk hogan dude You don't even have a clue. They were picking him out from behind as we're walking down the main drag. They're driving up behind him. They haven't even passed him yet. That's Shane. Shane, how you doing? We drove with him all weekend. and um, You ever heard of Cassandro? He's in Zodico? Yeah. Phenomenal wrestler. Oh, my goodness, man. And uh, he been back then. He was in his forties, and he was still flying all over the place. And his gimmick was awesome, you know. His robes cost him like three, four thousand bucks a piece. But yeah, I drove with them all weekend, and it was so funny. We had so much fun, and uh, we went back again the next time. We just did it to get out. And they were gonna, when Savio brought us down. They were gonna put the tag titles on us.
1: See so when we went down for Savio, that was for that was for a different different promotion though, right?
2: No, no, it was all IWA.
1: Oh, it's still all IWA, it's just, yeah. Excuse it's just... me. E-W-R,
2: lucha libre. <laughs> all we heard on television was E-W-R, lucha libre. But uh um, but that was for well, but Mario the... had already left they'd already had that big fight. Oh,
1: okay, so Mario separated from them and, and Savio yeah. was running the show yeah, by then. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right, all right, yeah, yeah. That makes sense then. Okay.
2: And right. they were going to put the tag titles on us. And then one of Savio's buddies said, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You know, a couple of gringos, we don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it was like, shit. So when you went yeah. down
1: the second time when Savio brought you guys back down, same same yep. venues? Yep. How was we,
2: the crowd uh, then? Uh, nothing like they were before. There was, you know, we, we did it because we just wanted to go. Yep. You know, we, we were having fun uh let's see there was uh I think that was the time that mark moment went down with us and yeah. uh, uh, it was the early days of uh uh Eric he went down with us too
1: yeah I remember I think I remember Sunny talking about that that time there um it was that was a stadium show yep uh that second time down so
2: for yeah Sadio. they were gonna- Tag titles on us, and they and uh, they changed their mind, and you know whatever, you know we had fun no matter what it was, you know we weren't we weren't bursting we weren't burning any bridges, you know we had fun our stuff we, they made us look strong, you know, um, and then the stuff like uh, what was it? It was either it was either Eric's or 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 Moments match was completely cut and edited so that everything they got in was cut out.
1: Oh, that stinks!
2: <laughs> no, it's funny. It stunk for them. But it was-
1: <laughs> That's what I mean. It stinks for them.
2: <laughs> <sighs>
1: <sighs> um, what brought you down to Florida?
2: I was on vacation, and uh, Ken was down there. Legion Cage.
1: So it was a it was a uh, always have your gear with you type scenario.
2: Oh no, I knew ahead of time. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I would have never brought my gear. My wife would have been bullshit if I had uh, just decided I'm going to take some of our valuable space on the chance I might be able to work a show. Oh, no, I had it all set up. Oh, cool. Uh, we actually wrestled in the place that uh, uh, the first place WWF went down and ran. They took it. They, the guy that was in charge, Ralph Mosca. Yep. They uh, had, It was a big bar down there, and that's where we wrestled. And, no, I just did it to go do it. It was, you know, say I wrestled in Florida, you know.
1: Did you ever... Hey, dear. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just say, did you ever do any... Uh, and I, I honestly don't know the answer to this question, I've no, even though I've known you for so long. Did you ever do any uh, WWE dark match work or TNA or anything no.
2: like that? No, I never did. Um, I never even really put my stuff out there. You know, I was so old when I started, and, you know, I don't exactly have the body for what they're looking for, so... And they had pretty much done, you know, by the time I was wrestling, pretty much the dark matches were done. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, you know, like Steve Ramsey, you know, one of the guys that trained me, you know, they went went and did a lot of jobs because that was when they were still using the jobbers, you know. And now, look, James Ellsworth turned it into a job, man.
1: Hey, didn't you just wrestle James Ellsworth for big time?
2: Yeah. Yeah, twice. It was. He's a tough guy to work oh yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> So how'd you get hooked up with that uh, so, so right now um, you travel around a lot with big time?
2: Um, I try to um, I try to take like two weekends a year at least yeah and I'll just fly somewhere. Uh, I love wrestling down in mid-atlantic. I've had so much fun down there. I've got to meet so many of the people that I actually loved watching to wrestle. You know, the Rock and Roll Express. And, oh yeah. You know, Jim Cornette. You know, I'm a corny guy. I'm not a a flippy guy. I'm a corny guy. You know, George South. I wrestled him twice.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I- I, you know, we haven't talked about this, and uh, I actually meant to start talking about this, but we just jumped right into everything else. Hey, as I want to ask you, like, it's
2: always episode two, bro, dude. I've been at this so long, <laughs> and you know, I can do nothing but talk. So we could do this once every two months, and we still would never run out of stuff to talk about.
1: Very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, when when I was younger, like, I used to obviously I grew up on WWE. I live in Maine, but my favorite time of wrestling to watch is, like, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, Jim Crocker Promotions, you know, yep. the mid-80s, that's that's my favorite stuff to watch, you know, and so, like, you know, those names, like you say, the Rock and Roll Express, and George South, and being down that Mid-Atlantic area, in my mind, like, I see the posters for those shows that are going on down there, I see the names that are still on there, and I'm jealous,
0: Oh yeah,
3: because,
1: like, I, I would love to see, like, just some of those guys up here, you know, especially, like, I never the got to see – go
2: ahead. The problem is they never draw up here.
1: I know. I know. Like I never got to see the Rock and Roll Express Russell live, you know.
2: They still do the same thing, dude.
1: I want to see it. I, I want to see the damn double dropkick in yeah. person. I love the Rock yeah. and Roll Express. I got to meet them back in like 2007 or 8 or something like that. I went to a signing at Carson's Pro Wrestling World in Pennsylvania when I happened to be in the area. Yeah. Uh, I got to meet them. There was oh, th- This is the damnedest thing, all right? It's at Carson's Pro Wrestling World. It's in Allentown, Pennsylvania. They got the Midnight Express. They got the Rock and Roll Express, and they got Larry Zbyszko. okay? Yeah. For 50 bucks, I got my picture wow. taken with all of them, and I just gave them tons of cards to sign for me, and I gave my tens and everything like that for 50 bucks total for all of them. They drew like 20 people like i'm Uh, like why is there not a thousand people here to see these guys and it's because one of the people there in line told me well they're up here all the time
2: oh okay
1: they're up here all the time like you know the rock you know the rock and rolls and the midnights have a match you know tonight over in this other part of town they were just here last month on and on and on so i got to meet the rock and roll express but i've never seen them wrestle and i I want to see them wrestle live well okay the battle royal at wrestlemania 14 doesn't count (laughs) i'd like to see them wrestle live and I almost had the opportunity at Boston Pro Wrestling Marathon a couple of years back, but that ended the way it ended. <laughs>
2: Good old Spencer.
1: That ended the way it ended. So,
2: um,
1: but like, you know, how did you get hooked up with big time wrestling, traveling with them?
2: Uh, once again, it was Sonny. Sonny was the big idea guy. We were gonna go do the the last ended up being the last TV taping in Dairy. And for some reason, it fell through. And then uh, we still got booked. And we went down. And we, uh, the first time, the first show we did was in Webster. And Sonny started backing off after a little while and only wrestled really in Maine. And I'm like, screw this. Um, Sonny's the one that got me to realize that I could wrestle anywhere. Yep. You know, the fat kid who. Was always, you know, it was the, um, you know, low self-esteem, you know, the the body look and all that stuff. But Sonny, he was like, it doesn't matter, dude. You're a good wrestler. Let's go wrestle. And from that, That's from right. him kicking me in the ass and not, you know, going and me going outside my comfort area, allowed me to get to these places. Because when I get there, they see what I can do. You know, I'm not. I'm different than most guys because most guys don't want to work the way I do. yeah I, I, I'm, I'm all psychology. you know my match means something. My match, whether I'm the good guy or the bad guy, mm-hmm. you know it's all about connecting with the fans. It's not the next move. You know people talk about what they're doing well I'm, oh, I'm just gonna sell. you know I, I, if I connect with the people, that's different than everybody else. Everybody else wants to do their stuff. I don't care if I do nothing. If I connect with the fans and they're with me, I don't have to do anything. You know, less is more. And everybody else has that deal where they want to do their stuff. I don't. I mean, I, I couldn't remember everything they want to do anyway these days. it <laughs> mackerel. I'd have to be in six man so I could have someone on the corner with me the whole time tell me what's next. So
1: you're happy where you're at.
2: I love where I'm at, dude. Yeah. I go big time, you know, Um, they might come back to Maine, they might not, I don't know, but you know, I go try to go down to Massachusetts once a year and try to fly somewhere once or twice a year, that's my weekend away, you know, Uh, wrestling to me is a paid hobby. Yeah. You know, everyone else, you know, people go play pool, cost money, people go shoot darts, cost money, play golf, definitely cost money. Yes, it does. You know, snowmobiles, motorcycles, all that stuff, cost money. I come home with money in my pocket, you know, so it makes it really easy for me to be able to tell my wife, hey, I'm going to go wrestle. She goes, why don't you want money in your pocket? I don't care what you do. <laughs> you know, so I've been able to live my dream. You know, I've been able to live what I've always wanted to do.
1: So you and, watched wrestling when you were a kid?
2: Oh, I loved it. my My grandmother got me watching wrestling when I was four.
1: What do you remember? Like, what do you, uh, what's your first memory of wrestling?
2: My first memory of pro wrestling was Chief J. Strongbow on his comeback. Um, he'd go around the ring as the guy's beating him in the back, and he turns around and he gives the chop on top of the head. This is in 1976 or 77. And my grandmother, who's at least 60 years old, jumps up out of her rocking chair and screams, Scalp him, Chief J! <laughs> oh, Wow. And by the time I'm, like, eight or nine, I've realized that she wants him to, like, kill the guy, you know. So, yeah, that was my first memory. When I was a kid, I always thought that everyone just stood in a line out back and they just picked the next person in line to go wrestle that guy, <laughs> you know, because there was always the pause. Yep. Before they announced the opponent. Yeah. So they're like, all right, you're next, go. And that's what I always thought happened because, when I mean, I, I mean I literally, I'm talking, like, when I'm six or seven years old, you know. Yep. Cause always had the big curtain and everybody waited. You know they didn't run right out, so it was always the anticipation. So I just figured, all right, you're next, go. <laughs> <laughs> and that was back in the WWF days.
1: Yep. So you used to watch it with your grandmother.
2: I loved. Oh yeah, I loved That's it. Pretty awesome. That's yeah, pretty awesome. When I when I first started wrestling, she passed away. Probably. Two years after I started wrestling. So she and got I said, to Nana.
1: see you wrestle then?
2: She only got to see me on tape. Okay. I kept trying to convince her to go to come watch me wrestle. I can't. Yeah. Come watch the wrestle, Nana. I can't. Why can't you? Because someone will be beating you up. And that's not going to happen to my grandson. I'm getting in that ring. Nana, I'll bring you some tapes.
1: <laughs> 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 did you uh do you ever go to any shows?
2: I went to shows all the time as a kid.
1: where did you we go used, to shows? I, used,
2: uh, I never when they when they went to the Civic Center, not the Expo, but when they start when they were at the Civic Center, I was yep. going at least twice a year. Yep. Um, when I realized that I've only been to pro, other than like a ring rental or me being on a show. Yeah. I think I've been to two shows since I started wrestling. Because I just I'm, – I'm critical of it. Not yeah. critical of it, but I'm analyzing it all. Right. If it's, you're not – you've only been totally, to, like, two shows that
1: you weren't booked on or something like that.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. I can't enjoy it because I'm analyzing it. I can't go back to being a fan, which is bad, but it's what it is. Now, you know. see, independent oh, wrestling – Can I tell you why I stopped going to WWE shows, though? Oh, yes, please do. Oh, uh, six months into me wrestling, I was uh, – uh, I went to a show – and I can't remember who was what, but obviously Nails was a heel. Yeah. And I don't know if Boss... And Bossman must have been the baby face. And, I, and Rock must have been a heel, I'm guessing. But I don't remember who was... It was a steel cage match. Say at. Nails
1: wasn't involved. It was Kane against the Rock in the steel cage of the big Bossman as the referee.
2: Okay, was it the one where they ran around the rinks so I went... See, the thing that got me was the fact that uh, Mike Chioda and one of the referees were playing tag around the ring between matches, and I'd been in the business six months, and I go, that is so unprofessional, I'm not spending my money, because they don't care enough to be here.
1: I was at the show.
2: And that's when I stopped going.
1: So prior to that, though, uh, did you ever go to, before you started wrestling on the independents, did you know about independent wrestling?
2: I knew independent wrestling, um, probably about six or eight months before I started. Okay. Uh, right. I was at, I, I, uh, I went to one show, I won't mention the guy's name, you know, the guy? Probably. Okay. Um, I went to, uh, one show, he showed me out back and we did, you know, he told me about it and, um... And then the next show was the one they had at, uh, in Brunswick, the first TV taping they had.
1: At the Bowdoin College. Yep. Yep.
2: And all, all I did was watch a door. Yep. And then the next month I was doing – I was the guy that ran at the Lewiston Armory yep. from up top all the way down two flights of stairs down one hallway or down a second hallway. Man, that building was cavernous. Yes, and that was when Tony was still running it. Yep. So there were like 16 matches a night for television.
1: Yep, I remember those.
2: I got the biggest workout of the night.
1: Say, <clears throat> Tito Santana still owes me 10 bucks from that uh, Bowdoin College show.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because I got asked to go get Tito pants at Walmart because he ripped out his pants.
2: Yep. So he I never r- paid I, you back.
1: I went to Walmart. I ran, down, I ran down to the Walmart, and I grabbed him a pair of, uh, you know, bike pants or whatever you want to call it you know the yep. basketball pants they were only 10 bucks whatever i brought him back and when i came back he was out uh when i came back he was out i don't think he, he just wasn't by his, his gear so i just set the bag down by his stuff or whatever and i thought well, i'll catch up with him later or something like that and and uh <clears throat> yeah yeah he avoided me he owes me 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a wrestler bro uh
1: jimmy snooker took a piss in the back of jay's car once <laughs> he said hey brother pull over i gotta pee and and jay's like oh, jimmy we're like two miles from the building and then Jimmy just goes oh, i'm all set and and so I, i'm like he's all set and and then i look back and jimmy's pissing in a bottle
2: Oh, okay, that ain't bad. But then I he, you meant he was pissing in his car. No, no,
1: no. He just he was pissing in a bottle, and then <laughs> oh, he dude, and then the bottles. Yeah, well, but then he set it in the floor of the car without the cap on and left it there. Oh no.
2: Oh. Oh no, dude. We used to the best one used to be the old one liter Pepsi bottle. Yeah, with the with big white mouth. on them. Yeah. Now yep. you gotta go for the Gatorade or the or the Powerade. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like I've done that before. <laughs>
1: sound like a trained professional uh yeah. so what, what do you so nowadays where, where are you at now you're, you're running your school still you're well you're running yeah. your school again uh north atlantic wrestling association
2: the the wrestling the, that's the show Yeah. Yep. north atlantic wrestling association and the school My, is north atlantic wrestling camp
3: north, okay, and I,
2: yep. of, I run it out of skips right here in buxton yep Buxton, um, maine buxton maine sorry this is the internet yeah Uh and uh, I have the building Sunday through Thursday. So we build the ring on thir- on Sunday. Yep. It takes us 45 or 50 minutes. It's kept right there. So it's like i got to hoof it back and forth or anything. That's
0: nice.
2: And uh, we train. And then on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, we bring it down. Now, I only do beginner's classes when I have enough people to do them. Yeah. Uh, my rent is small enough that I'm not worried about it. And it's not worth it for me to have one student. just enough to pay the bill or whatever you know i do a more advanced class a couple times a month too and that almost pays my rent by itself yeah you know so i'm not worried about that little bit of a rent but what i do is is when i get four or five students then i run my class and that way i have enough people to for them to pair up and for me to watch and and do that kind of thing and I love training people. I always have, uh, even at my day job, you know, showing people, training people. I love doing it. So it, it's just, and I love wrestling. So it makes it an easy thing to do. And the fact that I can, when I train people, my theory on wrestling is flashy, not high risk. Cause there are plenty of things that are flashy that are not going to kill you. You know, you choose to add something in. That's fine. That's on you. But that's down the road so much that we can do stuff now, you know, even these days. You get up on the top rope and do a top body cross body block on somebody and do a nice pin out of it. It brings people to their feet. You know, you get good enough. We get the yep. crash pads out. We'll, you know, you can go do some other stuff, but that's not what I'm going to teach you until way, way, way down the road, you know. There's all kinds of ways I, I I tell my students to put their stank on something, make something you do yours, you know. Instead of doing it the way everybody else does it, do it a little different. Turn your body a little bit, twist a little bit that way. That way you're different than everybody else, you know. So make things yours. Doesn't mean you have to jump out of the building. It just it's just another way to make yourself unique, yeah. you know.
1: So you're running shows there like every other Wednesday, one Wednesday a month now.
2: One Wednesday a month.
1: Okay, one Wednesday a month.
2: Yeah, one Wednesday a month.
1: And then you're running uh, Old Orchard Beach. How often?
2: Um, I, I last year I only did it just for February and April vacation because it gives me a built-in crowd. Yeah. But this promoting thing that I supposedly hate to do, I'm now doing it more and more. Yeah. Because I'm starting. I'm starting to get. I'm also starting to get people that are helping me yep. when it's just me. It's awful. But when I start to get the people that I can trust to do things, it makes it easier on me. So I'm willing to do more shows. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to do one in the summertime. And then depending on when my Bon Eagle show is that I do every year, my fundraiser, I might do one in the fall on a football sa- Saturday.
0: Okay.
2: Saturday night. And uh, I-, I try to, most, I try to run most of my shows on Friday Yep. 'Cause it's easier on my regular schedule. But I would never run a Friday show in the fall because of high school football. Oh,
1: no, it's just ridiculous thought.
2: It's it, it's Death knell, death knell. I uh but I, it was Saturday night once, you know, in the fall, if it works out for that schedule. You know, and the other thing is I when we used to run Fairfield, we actually did I can't remember, I think it was Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving. We did it every year. Yeah. For like four years straight
1: yeah I remember that that was always fun
2: because there's nothing to do yep so I might try to see if I can find a spot you know maybe Jimmy's will let me run on the Wednesday because I doubt they'll do it the night before Thanksgiving you know
3: that's that's the old Orchard
2: Beach right yeah Jimmy's the old Orchard Beach so I might try that this year who knows you know I got as long as I got people willing to help me I'm okay doing that stuff and then
1: you're running Geno's Rock Club, whatever. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm, they they those don't want to run it all the time, but I'm doing uh, probably four or five shows this year. And those are I've 21 plus, two. right? That's 21 plus. Yeah. Yeah. James is all ages. Skip's is 21 plus. Yeah. Um, and uh, Geno's is 21 plus. Yeah. Um, it's a you st- literally it's standing room only. There's no chairs. It's a small little building. It can be rowdy as hell. It's fun. Um, just, I mean, I. it's so... It, the the building is set up for the underground grungy wrestling. Yes. It is, yes, it, it it is. awesome. Um, if you want, I will send you a link to the guy who took pictures from the last one. I don't know if you've seen that.
1: Oh, no, I'd love to see that, yeah.
2: Um, and this is from... the guy. The guy took, like... One or two pictures of the crowd from the stage, the rings in between the stage and the fans. Yeah. And, but Gino's, and the show didn't start till nine. Yeah. But Gino's crowd usually shows up late. He took a shot, he took a a picture probably just before it started. Yeah. 35 minutes later, there's another 55 or 60 people in there. I mean, it was within probably. 15 or 20 feet of the front door packed
1: yeah i'd love to see that let's see those pictures
2: and then we're going back there so i'm going to jimmy's on the 14th of this month and then i have and then we're going back to gino's on the 26th of april of uh uh, may may may
1: 26th of may that's memorial day weekend
2: that's okay, it don't matter.
1: Yeah, no, I'm just saying this oh, is a landmark that's oh, more
2: No, <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, no, no. I the only the, my only recommendation for not running is if for instance you were running in Fairfield on a Friday night for Lawrence High School homecoming and then, <laughs> and then surprised when six people show up to watch the matches.
0: <laughs> <laughs> True story.
1: Hey, yeah, uh, <laughs> I got I got some standard mandatory questions I gotta ask you now. Okay. So these, these are my these are my questions I ask everybody on these. Uh, first one: What is the uh, you collect wrestling stuff?
2: Uh, not anymore. My stuff that I used to collect was my beginning stuff when I, yep. excuse me, when I wrestled. Yeah. Uh, early programs, newspaper articles. I have a lot of that kind of stuff. All right.
3: Because um, I play? have a
2: few that, pictures. Yeah that I have of wrest- with wrestlers. Very few. I don't want to be one of those guys who just runs up and takes pictures with everything. I don't think that's what wrestlers should be doing.
1: I don't know. I See, I kind of was that way when I was younger because I didn't want to seem like a mark.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And then now I'm like, Fuck it, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, but,
2: but it's different, though. You don't run up to everybody. No, no, no.
1: Very true, very true, very true. Okay. You have that – uh,
2: Guys, any any name on the show that means nothing to them but because they're a name. Yeah. I go up to people because they mean something yes, to me. Yes,
1: fair them. enough. Yeah. You, like you have, that, picture, you have that uh, pretty badass picture of you, Sonny and Bison Smith.
2: Yes, Exactly. That, I got I got Bison Smith from down there and Shane from down there. I got everybody from down there Yeah. because that was Puerto Rico, man. That, yeah. I don't mind, you know. That was phenomenal. <laughs> but I mean, I get the only pictures that I have of wrestlers: George South, The Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Uh, I got one with Cody Rhodes, uh, one with Duggan. Um, God. And. That might be about it, dude. There might be a couple others, but that's it. And Cody is just because of his dad. Yep. I mean, I told him the story because we were talking about the NWA stuff on TBS. I mean, that I told Rock, Jimmy, uh, Ricky Morton, I said, I said, I told him the story. I said, I'm from Maine. We got one hour of WWF television a week, and then TBS came up there. And it was great because it went from, from cartoon to grown men beating the shit out of each other. Yep, yep. And I loved it. And he went, oh, my, that that's that's so good. And he started screaming, Robert, 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 come on over here. You got to listen to this. So, I mean, that was the – because that's where I learned about wrestling. You know, yep. that's – I was born too north of where I needed to oh, be. Oh, me too. And I feel the same and I way. Was born, and I was born 20 years too late. Yeah. If I'd have been born in the 50s, I'd have been working territories.
0: Yep.
2: My body, you didn't need the body. You needed the brain. Yep. You know, And now everyone, a lot of people have the brain, but they don't have the, I mean, they don't have the, the brain, they got the body.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and it, it, the brain is what sells the, the finish of the matches and all that stuff. And I've been saying, I've been saying for years that if I'd have been born in the 50s, I'd have had a chance in the territories. You know? Yeah, no, I, uh, I love, I mean, Chief I love Jay Maine. Strong, Chief J Strongbow, that body can work, so oh can yeah.
1: I. <laughs> I mean, I, I love Maine, and I love living in Maine, but yeah, when it comes to like my wrestling point of view, I feel uh-huh. like I, I was definitely, uh, I'm, I'm too far north
0: of love the Mason-Dixon wrestling. line.
1: It. Yeah, it is, it really uh. is. And I, I'm also, I don't know what your feeling is on, on blood and wrestling, but I don't think it needs to... I don't think it needs to be there for gratuitous purposes, but I think at the same time, when done the right way as part Mm -hmm. of the story of the match, it adds so much to the match. You got it. Um, But at the same time, I do feel like if you got a steel cage match and no one's getting called, then why the hell are you having a steel cage match? Exactly. Unless
2: you tease it the whole time and nobody hits it.
1: Right, exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, I've been wrestling for almost 18 years, and I've bled twice. Yeah. Um, it wasn't because the day ended in Y or started with a capital letter. Exactly. Um, you know, new weekend, new weekend to bleed. No. Yeah. Uh, one was the, the barbed wire match with Sonny.
1: I was there for that.
2: And uh, the other one I did was down in Newbury where we did a tag team dog collar match, and I was the only one that got punched in the head with the chain, yep. and I was the only one that got color. Yep. We Made did it sense. that way purpose so that exactly it yep. made sense i mean sometimes I'm okay with blood yeah i'm okay with blood mid-south was born on blood
3: yep oh, you know
2: yeah. Puerto rico yep. was born on blood yes, but it was always because of the feud it wasn't just hey i'm having a match and we're gonna bust you open well nope. that don't make sense no
1: nope, no that's that's abdul the butcher type bleeding
2: exactly
1: which you know oh. again you know red turns to green if you will but to me it's just yeah, it has
2: its I place don't, in wrestling. I don't think redundant turns to green. You think what? I don't think redundant turns no. into green.
1: No, it does not.
2: Redundant is not green. Redundant, if it's redundant, you're just hot shotting it. Exactly. Which yeah. means it, you know, after a while, yeah, he's bleeding again. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: No, you're no, absolutely I right.
2: Got, I just got more out of Abdullah on TBS because he didn't use the blood. Yep. And it made it so much more impressive when he came up with that big elbow drop and squished somebody. Yep. You know. Yeah. The only time
1: fun. I've seen Abby Russell like I've seen Abby Russell twice live in person, and, okay. and both times, once was against Tony Atlas in Maine when
2: they went up and down the bleachers.
1: And Edward Little High School, yeah, and he bled like, and, and they both got busted open. Uh huh. And then the other time was at a show in Florida. I was at, and and first of all, he never got in the ring. This was in 2008. Oh, yeah. Abby, they nev- the match never even got in the ring. It started in the aisle, and it went all through the crowd, and they both bled all over the place. Yeah. And it was a Falls Count Anywhere match, so Abby got the pin on the floor. It's the first time I've ever been to a show and never seen the, the match actually get in the ring or near the ring.
2: Well, at the end of it, he wrestled balls one time. Balls came out. They fought in the entranceway. Uh, they both got color, and uh, balls just left.
3: That's it.
2: That's it. <laughs> they flew They flew Abby to, Port- to uh, Japan for his final weekend because he said he could work. Yeah. Okay. He had to take a walker down to the ring. Yeah. He couldn't even get on the apron. He had to sit on the stairs or sit in a chair with his walker there. Yeah. And did nothing in the match. And then when the match was over... They all, they worked their way to get, bring over the opponents, and he had all of them with the fork, and the crowd popped for it, and they sent him home, because he said he could work the whole tour, and they said, no, you can't, here's your one night, because you can't even walk, yeah one night, now you can go.
1: I hadn't heard that one.
2: Yeah. So, okay. So it, it was awful.
1: The follow-up question, because we got sidetracked, which was, yes, what's we, what what's
2: Dude, your, I'm never going to stop talking, brother, so... You gotta keep me where I gotta be, cause it ain't gonna work. The follow question,
1: which was, uh, well, Memorabil- you, don't, you don't collect memorabilia, so I'm gonna say, "What's your favorite piece?" But you don't collect it, so we're gonna move on. Uh, <laughs> what's the, uh, what, what's the weirdest place you've ever had a match? Either weirdest venue, oddest venue, just like you couldn't believe you're actually having a match in this this building.
2: Um, Jeff's catering comes to mind. In Bangor, we had the big ring, and Bull Moose's head was an inch and a half from the ceiling.
1: <laughs> um, Did you ever work at the Thatcher show? Thatcher's shows that they had in oh, that yeah, little side I building? Dude, I the floor was crooked. It was. The floor was at an angle, and it was a metal was. building. I mean, like, that's the weirdest place I've ever been to a show. Yeah, I door.
2: didn't even think about it. Yeah, that was really weird, too.
1: Because it had, like, it was like the metal building. It had the floor was at an angle, so when you were running, when you were, you know, dock. huh? It was,
2: it was to bring in storage. It was a storage entrance.
1: Yeah, and and when you ran the ropes though, when you ran the ring, I mean, you're running uphill one way.
2: Yeah, but that's because they were stupid and they were running uphill. If, ran, <laughs> if, if, you, if you were smart and you ran left and right, it didn't matter.
1: I know, but I'm just saying, like I've never been that's in a place where the venue stupid. where the ring was on a, on a, on an angle.
2: Absolutely, but that was the whole part. I tell people, learn how to work. <laughs> Why would you want? All right, running downhill is great, but then you got to stop it. Then you can just run side to side, and it's the same damn thing. That's where I ran my training school for a while.
1: What's uh? Oh, that's true. You did run the training school out of there. Oh. What's uh? What's your favorite favorite match?
2: For me? Yeah. Oh, jeez Oh, wow.
1: Okay, well, while you think on that, what's the what's the uh, wildest match you've ever been a part of?
2: Uh, probably working um, Mr. T and the late, great A.J. Matrano in uh, big time. It was Falls Count Anywhere. You mean Mr. T.A.? Yeah, Mr. T.A. Terry
1: Allen, not, not I Pity the Fool, Mr. T.? Yeah,
2: correct. Okay. Uh, he is the stiffest, dude in the world his uh punches are stiff and somebody asked me one time well why didn't you just go down when he kept punching you in the head because boots were harder so, <laughs> so his, his boots were harder <laughs> nice. oh yeah so me and sonny we're sitting there and we're out back and and uh aj always was a team always tag team with, with with uh, Terry. Yeah. And it was funny because me and Sonny are both going, no, I'm working with, I'm working with, uh, uh, AJ. AJ. (laughs) No, I'm working with AJ. No way. I'm working with AJ. (laughs) So I'm there and I'm going, Sonny, you're the same. You're bigger than I am. You should go with Terry because he's bigger than, than, than AJ. And maybe we'll swap a little later. (laughs) uh, That was, that was probably one of my roughest matches. Um, one of my favorite matches was probably the night I won the hardcore title down there in Portland. Yeah, because there were 450 people and that was the place was rocking, and I was wrestling uh, Jay, and I was wrestling Frankie, and there was a there was a lumberjack strap match. So on top of being hardcore, you had to stay in the ring or the lumberjacks whipped the shit out of you, and. And it was so funny because I had my manager, uh, what was her name, Honey there. Hardcore, Hardcore Honey. And about sixteen and a half minutes into this eighteen-minute match, I look over it and I go, "I don't care if I'm winning, I'm hurting so bad, I want to just leave." I'm mouthing it to myself. Is <laughs> they're a tag team? <laughs> yeah. They were all yeah. Hardcore Institute. Yeah. So it was a two-on-one friggin' handicap match. And I literally had, like, 45 seconds of offense in the entire thing. It's the only time I've ever asked for aspirin when a show was over, dude. My, <laughs> head, my head hurt so damn bad. I was like, son of a bitch. But that was a fun match. Um, that was
1: January 26, 2001. Okay. <laughs> tri- triple threat lumberjack match.
2: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I had so much. I mean, I, I've i also had fun working So a lot of the names I've worked. I mean, I've had... Uh, it, the match wasn't much of anything, but I got to work with Snuka, and I got to work with Duggan. Uh, you know, Tony's always fun to work, man. I love working with Tony, Tony Atlas. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had a chance to work with Gangrel and uh, Coco Beware, Valentine. You know, uh, AWA Lobster Man's AWA. Uh, oh,
1: uh, Jeff Costa. Yes. Yep. They,
2: Maverick Wild was the booker, and he always put me in with the, the, the names because he knew that I didn't care yep. about being the big star. You know, yep. I was happy to do what he wanted. So he put me in with a lot of those guys, and I was like, thank you, because, I mean, I got to learn from them, you know, and, you know, sell that sell that, that, that hope. I mean, sell that hope. Uh, that heat until it's time for the hope. Don't take it early. Don't take it early. Keep milking it. Keep milking it, you know. And it just it just stuck with me, all the people that I've had the chance to listen to, you know. Um, George South. Loved wrestling, George South. Um, yeah, George, George South is that
1: epitome of the uh, mid-Atlantic region for me as far as, you know, oh. he was a job guy. But he was on TV every single week, you uh-huh.
2: know. Rick yeah. Flair used to, used to ask to work him on television and then Ric Flair would get yelled at because he loved working with George South so yeah. much that he would get yelled at because George South got too much offense on the world champ
1: yeah I've, I've seen I seen uh, a couple of their matches yeah and George was, South has got a great book
2: oh yeah and he he's got it I don't know how old he is I don't want to insult the man but he's got to be at least he was old when he was in in the 80s, man. Yeah,
1: I gotta say he's probably in his 60s. I, I bet you he's in his 60s by now. I bet
2: you his. I bet you he's somewhere between 60 and 63 or 4. Yeah. And 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 it's so funny because he just says, "Listen to me, he'll barely listen to me. You got it, sir. Whatever you want, you know." <laughs> and, and the first night I wrestled him, it took him eight minutes to get his jacket off. It oh
1: my God, it's amazing.
2: And I was in the ring, and I was getting nervous because it was taking so long. Oh, my
1: I'm God. Like, All crazy. right. I feel horrible right now, and you're going to feel like a piece of shit. What? He's 54.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, George.
1: I doubt he's listening, but Mr. South That's is only okay. 54.
2: <laughs> At least I said 60, so it's only six years. <laughs> or, he's, or he's lying.
1: Yeah, yeah. The online could be wrong.
2: <laughs> Dude. That was '85. That was 30 years ago.
1: Yeah, he's was 54, was, so he's in his mid 20s then.
2: Was it? Was he in his mid 20s then, though?
1: He probably didn't look like it, but apparently he was.
2: Oh. <laughs> Why would you find it on wiki?
1: Wikipedia. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's always truthful.
1: I looked at. Well. Is
2: he? <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm just talking.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was at back in 2012. I was at a uh, a show down in New Jersey. I went down to see the Great Muda. Yep. And surprise, surprise! George South was on the card. Uh, they had Jake Manning was up there, but George South was yep. on the card. High spots and brought up a table and everything. That's and he the, was he involved to. in one of the most—I mean, this is—you got to hold on. Let me look it up because I want to give it justice. But he was in the the most screwed up eight-man tag I have ever seen in my life, as far as just who was on the who was on the card. Oh yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, don't tell so me I don't Patriot? have it on this list.
2: Huh? Was the Patriot in it?
1: No, but Coco Beware was.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be on here. Why isn't it finding it then? Oh, because I spelled George wrong.
2: Yeah, I'll do it.
1: There it is. All right, so I saw it. Okay, hold on. All right, listen to this. Eight-man tag. Uh, Taka Suzuki, Coco Beware, Mike Bennett, and Starman defeated The Sheik. Not... Uh,
2: I know you're talking
1: about. Okay, the new chic there. Apollyon, QT Marshall, and George South. Wow. I'm like, really? But, anyways, George South came out and he did his typical. He gets on the mic and he starts cutting his 27 minute promo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he does. And, I mean, he does. It's, I love it because to me, that's like classic Southern style. He's uh-huh. going to fire you up and get you going and walk and talk for literally a good five, six minutes before he mm-hmm. starts the match, and you just want to murder him by then. Yep. And these guys next to me just start screaming, Shut up, old man, da da, da da da. And I went, Excuse me, that's George South. You need to cut it out. And he went and the guy went, Is it really? I go, Yeah, that's George South. And he was like, Holy shit, guys, that's George South. So like they knew who he was. They just didn't know who he was. He hasn't changed a bit. I know, and then once they knew it, it was George South, they were just like, Yeah. <laughs>
2: We uh we did uh, everything we did went back to the claw because he everything oh, yeah. he wears is in remembrance to the old Mid Atlantic stuff. Oh yeah. So he has like the wa- he has Wahoo tights that are made. He has all that stuff. Oh, he's
1: got blackjack
2: right now, tights. He wears the blackjack ones now. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, so he wears a skinny little glove that, that probably is 30 years old. Yep. For the claw. And we did everything and went back to the claw. And I just sold it more and more and more so we are closer and closer to the pin. And I'm going to tell this a little out of school, but once again, I don't think any of them are going to hear it. But yeah. if they do, it's not that bad because I don't know any names, so it's okay. Um, Every time we went back to the claw, I worked it more and more and more. And we must have done like eight hope spots, and every one of them ended up going back to the claw.
0: That's
2: awesome. And I And – as we go back to the claw, every time he goes, good job, Hillbilly, good job, Hillbilly. Billy <laughs> said it every single time. <laughs> we went out back after the first match, and I said, George, Mr. South. He said, it's George, I said, okay, George, um, you must work with some real shit, because you kept just thanking, you kept saying how good a job I did just because I kept going back to the claw. He goes, yes, Larry, sometimes I work with some not-so-talented people. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, cause he's, he's the one that brings – he's one of the guys that brings the ring. Yes. Works whoever they put him in with, you know. It isn't like he has a chance to say what he wants to do. So, because, uh, yeah, Larry, I worked with some not so talented people. <laughs> uh,
1: for those who are unaware, uh, Larry goes by the scuffling hillbilly cousin Larry, that's which right, is, which is why George South was calling him hillbilly, not just because yeah. you know he thinks he's a that's hillbilly. I
2: live in Maine, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, this guy that's from the, the
2: south. Funny thing I hear I go to these things down south, and they go. How can you be a hillbilly if you're from up there in Maine? And I say, sure, there are hillbillies everywhere. You don't have to live in the south to live in a trailer and drive a broken-down truck and have a fanny pack. See, that's the other thing is they see me come and go from shows sometimes, and they go, "You ain't a hillbilly." I say, "What are you talking about? I got my John Deere hat. I'm wearing tevas, and I got a fanny pack. That's hillbilly." <laughs> Everybody that wears fanny pack is a hillbilly.
1: <laughs> ah, classic indeed.
2: Well, <laughs> you had other questions that we. I
1: did. I did have other questions, but I think we kind of covered them. Okay. My mandatory questions: you know, weirdest place you work, favorite opponent, weirdest match. If you collect something, what's your favorite collectible? I, I like to. I like to get all those. Okay. I like to get all those in. You know, it's weird though. I was looking up that uh, that that match that you won the belt in that triple threat match when you won the hardcore yep. title January 26, 2001. Yes, yeah. that, that was Jay's last match. Really? Yep.
2: Oh wow.
1: I never really sat down and thought about it until right now. But he had his accident like uh, less like uh, after not too a couple weeks after that.
2: I didn't even realize that.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I, something I never thought about till just now when I was looking at that, because the, the next show on my list is March 2nd, and that's the benefit show that EWA did for him.
2: That was my concussion night.
1: Yes, that's the night you got concussed off the powerbomb from the damned.
2: Dude, you just said that to me. Do you know what happened? What? I have chills all over my body from that.
1: From the concussion?
2: No, from Jay.
1: Oh, from Jay? Yeah.
2: Oh, man. Yeah,
1: that was his last match. I mean, oh. who would have thunk that?
2: Jesus Christ. That'll make give you the willies. Ooh. That was 16 years was ago. What? We didn't know if he was going to make it. No,
1: he was in a coma for
2: They a put month, him in it,
1: 45 days.
2: Yeah, I yeah, it was like 5 weeks long.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: Wow, that's a great way to finish. Well,
1: that'll be it for this week's episode, for this special episode of <laughs> a, Our Podcast of a Thousand Holes.
2: There better be a next time because we've only scratched the surface. Oh, uh, we barely
1: touched anything. I realize there's so much more I'd like <laughs> Dude, to I ask don't
2: you. Dude, I do talking, bro. I did I two and a half hours by myself one time, and I still had more to talk about. <laughs> so, I, I I I love to talk. Can I, I want to tell you guys one thing. It's yeah. funny. I don't know if other wrestlers are the same way as me, as I am. Excuse me. I want to use proper English. Uh, when I'm wrestling, I'm the biggest extrovert in the world. I will get into any conversation. I will say anything to anybody, say hi to people I don't know, all that stuff. If I'm not wrestling, I don't want no one to see me. I don't want no one to touch me. <laughs> I, it's a great day if I go to Hannaford or Walmart. Yeah. Okay. I just want to live my life and be quiet. I don't know if other wrestlers are that way, but me being with wrestlers opens up and I become a whole different guy. And I've heard that from other wrestlers, too. Obviously, I don't think as much as me. Yeah. But, yeah, they can't really open up around non-wrestlers because they just don't get it.
1: You know, it's weird. It's like... I was at work the other day and I, I don't know if this relates to what you're talking about or not, but I was at work the other day and I, it was uh, I was working with a guy named Tony and and, and a girl named Brenda and uh, I'm not usually in work this early, but Tony and I are both wrestling fans We both work the night shift but our shifts are really screwed up lately because of all this training. So Monday night we were in at seven o'clock so I go, geez, you know eight o'clock if that TV found its way on the USA network I wouldn't I wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's right, Raw's on. So at 8, we put wrestling on, and we didn't have the volume on or anything, but we put wrestling on.
2: That's probably and, better that the volume you wasn't know, on.
1: Honestly, you, if, if a match is a good match, you can watch it with the sound off and still be completely captivated. And, and
2: Of course you can.
1: Yep. So, anyhow, so we're watching it and everything, and we're talking about WrestleMania, because the WrestleMania is this weekend here coming up, WrestleMania 33, and... And so we're talking about Russell and this and that, and at one point, you know, Tony says, geez, Brenda, sorry that you have to put up with all all us talking about Russell tonight, and she's like, oh, no, that's fine, I don't care, and then there's a pause, and she goes, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't get how you guys can like it, being it's just so fake, and I just go, you know, I'm not even going to put my effort into trying to talk to you about this, because... It goes back to uh, the unreal story of professional wrestling, and Jeff Jarrett actually said this, and, and it makes. And I think it's still – I think it's a great, valid statement when he said, to those who love it and believe it, you don't need to explain it to them. It doesn't matter. But to those who don't, no explanation will do.
2: Right. Here's how I tell people. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Some of it's planned. That's fine. But – do you walk into a movie theater and see Tom Cruise hanging off a plane and stand up and go, "But that shit's fake."
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, you enjoy it for what it is. Right. You choose not to enjoy it. That's fine, but right. that's on you.
1: Yep. But you I just can't, go ahead.
2: You, but that's what—that's the one thing that somebody told me that, and I'm like, you can't. The same way you're telling them, but when you say it that way, it's like, "Hey, bud, you watch TV show that isn't a reality show." Some of those, most of those are fake anyways. Most of
0: those are fake anyways, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you turn on, you know, whatever you watch, you know, is that real? No, but you stand up and you scream at the TV to somebody next to you. Why do you watch that? It's fake. Well, no shit. It's a TV show.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, it's the same thing.
1: I'll never understand because – and then there's an other group of people that when they find out you like wrestling and they don't understand why you would because it's quote-unquote fake – then they feel the need to have to try to, like, prove their point as mm-hmm. to how fake it is or in their mind. And they like, well, yeah, but I mean – and they just, like, they don't let it go. Yeah. And it's just like – and that to me is more annoying than anything because it's like, yeah, okay, uh, I'm not going to agree with you. You can stop talking about it right now. Like, it, it literally pisses me off because yeah. it's like this is something I love and I'm passionate about. And <clears throat> I, I don't sit there and tell you, oh, General Host is stupid. It's fake. Those people aren't really those characters, you know, like, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I know, but they're not pretending it's real. Yeah, they are. They're acting.
2: They're pretending
1: it's real, you know.
2: Here's the other advantage I have. Yeah. When I tell them that I have a wrestling school or I'm a pro wrestler and they go, well, why would I want to, you know, that's fake. I go, if it's fake, come try it. Yeah. And they go, well, you're going to hurt me. I'm like, dude, I won't touch you. Yeah. I won't have to touch you. It isn't fake. We may know what's coming, but it is not fake. You are still falling down, and I. And then they bring up the, you know, well, there's a spring under that. The spring slows you down. It does not stop you. You are not on a bed. I fall down 18 years later, and still go, oh damn. And then you get up and keep going. Okay, you learn to get past the pain. I mean. Football players, the first two weeks you're in training camp, you, you're hurt all day long. Yep. You're trying to get, the, you're trying to get past the beating. Yeah. It's the same thing in wrestling. Once you get past the beating, my wife gets pissed at me because she'll pull the hairs on my arm and I look at her. And then I'll <laughs> turn around and I'll pull out a nose hair and give it to her. ah Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, that's, I don't care. That's kind you know, of gross, though. Oh, but it's not the gross, but I don't, like, give it to her. I keep it on my fingers. I mean, there's no snot. I know. If, I'm just messing. But if you go and pull your nose hair, what do you do? You go, ow, ow, ow. Oh, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts
1: like a
2: yeah, I, I've gotten past it. You know, my wife will take two fingers with her fingernails and put it on the back of my tricep, that little pinch, and twist it, and I'll stand there and look at her. Is that all you got, Tristan Harder?
0: Come on,
2: <laughs> Come on, let's go. You know, most people get up. So, you know, that's how domestic violence happens. Get <laughs> like you hit somebody, but I'm not upset. I'm yeah. like, okay. pain doesn't matter to me.
1: Yeah.
2: That's like when I wrestle. I chop people. Okay, but I only chop them twice. Not like the old days. I used to hit them a lot back
1: now, then. I remember seeing. No, I've seen you chop people more than twice
2: but that's only when you mess up.
1: <laughs> um, you know, the but, only person's chop I've ever seen in person that I was actually afraid of was yeah. uh, Rick Fuller.
2: Um, I've wrestled Fuller once.
1: Yeah.
2: And I had no problem with him whatsoever. Um, it was for uh, on fire. Yeah. He chopped me, and I, you know, you know, you got to take them. Right. You know, he hit, he hit me once and like, Oh, he hit me twice and we're done. Yeah. You know, he had enough respect for me, and I didn't mess nothing up, so he didn't go nuts on me. Yeah, I'd always... And this, uh, is, and this is after... i got to tell you a story before we get done. I'm sorry to run you that's,
1: late. You're not. Um,
2: down in Sandwich, Massachusetts, and they're doing the super heavyweight Royal Rumble. He had to be 275 to get in it, so they added, like, 18 pounds to me, so I'm big enough. And they were advertising me versus Fuller in this match as chopping each other. (laughs) Why are you doing this? Come on. (laughs) Stop that crap. (laughs) Son of a gun. So he gets out there before I am. I'm in the next match afterwards. So... I get in the ring, he goes, all right, you hit me three times, I'll hit you three times, I'll shoot you in, I'll give you the little backbreaker gimmick, and I'll pin you, and then you can leave. All right, cool. I jump in the ring, I, turn, I give him a couple things on the back, a couple flippers there, Yeah. I turn him around. I give him one. He's selling. Oh, that's a good one. Give me another one. I give him a second one. He's, uh, he's selling, moving his head. I'm coming forward. And I went right down his face with my third chop. <laughs> he's like, you chopped me in the effing face. But he didn't say effing. <laughs> and, I, and I looked right at him. I said, I'm so sorry. And I said, go to town. He <laughs> flipped me around. He chopped me once. And I stuck my chest right back out again. I said, "I'm sorry, brother. Keep going." He hit me with the second one. I said, "Keep going, brother." He hit me with the third one. He hit me with the good ones, you know. Oh yeah. But, but you know, and at that point, he sent me in, gave me the backbreaker and pinned me. We went out back, and everything was good.
1: You know, it was funny. I, I'd always been I told. It. I'd been told by my- somebody. I'm not going to mention who. You probably know what I'm talking about though, Sky King. And <laughs> he would always say that if Rick likes you. Then yes. he'll, he'll take it easy on you but if he doesn't like you he'll put a little bit when he does that whips you in and gives you the big boot he'll put a little extra into it uh right, right before you get there you know you know he'll yep. he'll really lay he's in the chops party. or whatever and yep. so he's he's he, he was telling like jay and i this and everything and then there was a match i think it was a battle royal actually and it was for ewa at the stevens Ave armory and jay's in the ring and i and you know i'm i think i was ringing the bell then and uh Takes Jay and he puts his, you know, gets Jay in the corner and I'm going, oh here we go, here we go, because like I want to see him beat the shit out of my, beat the shit out of my <laughs> best friend, right? Yep. <laughs> and he's right in front of me and Rick puts his hand underneath Jay's jaw and he just pushes him back and opens him up, you know, yep. like and he's gonna deliver that Ronnie Garvin style ham hawk, right? And I'm going yep. e-! and Jay kind of his eyes just dart over and he looks at me and the look of panic. And fear in his eyes. And I was just like, here we go. And Rick winds up and forearm. (laughs) He winds up again and forearm. And then he just (laughs) drops him and walks away. And Jay's Jay's on the floor. And he looks up at me. And he just goes,
2: oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. (laughs) No, even when he hits you hard, though, he usually only hits you two or three times. Unless you're covered up
1: i was a big fan of fuller's anyways so yeah if you cover it up oh good lord dead yep but no and i didn't mean any disrespect to your chop because your chop is obviously quite impressive and i enjoy listening to it thoroughly especially when you chop guys in the back it's kind of a dick move but it's not happening to me so i'm okay with it
2: that, that, that's usually uh, – th- that gets into me. It's not playing. <laughs> it's not a hey, watch me do this kind of thing. It's usually, it's usually, it's usually peck a heads in the crowd. Yeah. Chop
1: him
2: in the back. Yeah. I can't imagine who might say that a couple times. Me. Yeah, I I'll know. I'll just
1: say it's me. This is me in the crowd. For those who don't know me, this is me in the crowd uh, when Larry's in the ring. I scream, chop him in the back. I go, chop him harder. I didn't hear it that time. <laughs> iron claw, heart yep. punch, airplane spin. There you go. <laughs> chop hard and, and old moves that
2: nobody uses. Anymore.
1: Pretty much. That's what I said. I go, give him the iron actually, claw. No one actually, expects the iron I, claw. I
2: think one time in Fairfield, I put the stomach claw on somebody. Yeah, playing. I
1: popped big for that. Yeah, yeah, I popped big for that one. I'm like,
2: Watch this one. This isn't even just the claw. This This is a
1: stomach claw, claw. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I pop big for that one.
2: If you can't make your friends have fun, then what's the sense of doing it?
1: Pretty much. (laughs) So uh, you got any plans on winding down?
2: Sadly, no. Um, I I pretty much wind down now. Have you watched me wrestle? (laughs) i my goal at this point is to get to a thousand matches How many at uh nine fifteen or nine twenty so I got another couple three three years, but at this point, I'm doing just my own shows yeah I'm doing almost twenty five shows a year you know, and then I work once a month down in uh Newbury I pick yeah. a match up here I work two matches a night once in a while, so I mean. I got at least, I have no plans to leave. I, you know, um, once in a while it skips. There's not enough people helping or there's enough wrestlers. And I'll just take the night off.
0: Yep.
2: But I don't think I'm going to get done because I love it too much. Yeah. I mean, I told, and and even if I get done, I'm still going to be involved. I'm still going to put on shows. You know, at that point, I'll probably be the ring announcer because then I can actually make sure everything's done right. There you go. You know, um, but that's the other thing is is you know, I can ring announce if I have to, I can do the music, I can do you know if if it comes down to it with my gimmick, uh, we don't have a referee tonight, so who's more honest than a hillbilly <laughs> so, you know, so I'll referee for the night if I had to, you know, whatever, yeah. but I have so much fun in this business, and this is sad, but it's true, I really only have like. Two friends or three friends that aren't wrestlers. Yeah. So I really don't want to get done because then I have no friends.
1: <sighs> you know, it's funny you say that. Like all my friends that I have, yeah. um, Except for one, I met because of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I met you because of wrestling. Yep.
1: Yeah. Every everyone I know, everyone's I'm friends with, uh, except for one, my buddy John, who I worked yeah. with at uh, who I worked with at JNS when when I got out of high school every other friend I have, I met because of wrestling. I met Jay because of wrestling. We met in high school because of, uh, Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. Because he sang the Russian national anthem, the Soviet national anthem. And, you know, I was in, in a back computer room and, and, and Jay came in and I didn't know who he was. I, I was a freshman in high school. He was a sophomore. And he's like, Hey, he's like, can I play this CD? I'm like, I don't care what you play. And it was anthems of the world. Uh, <laughs> Cause like who plays that CD? Right. And so, uh, when the Soviet national anthem came on, I just kind of, you know, I said I I, I know pretty much I, I know pretty much the words to this song. I can definitely get the beginning done. And he's like, oh really? Why is that? And I go, Nikolai Volkov. I said I only know the beginning because usually hacksaw came out and he never finished it. <laughs> and he laughed. He's like, that's why I know the song. And uh, <laughs> and a you know like you know twenty something years later, you know we're still great friends. And uh, when we finally met Nikolai a few years later after that, we told him that story. He thought it was the best story in the world that you know, that day.
2: <laughs> that day.
1: Yeah, that day. So we got was, our picture taken with it and everything. Until the next show. Yeah, until the next show. But yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God, that night, it was a show in Vermont that EWA did. And they had brought in Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik for it. And it was at some military school. Were you there for that one?
2: I don't think I don't think you
1: were either. It was at a military academy. It was a Halloween night, 1998, so maybe not. No. And um, we told Nikolai that story, and he, he, like I said, he thought it was great. But my favorite part is that intermission. Nikolai did photos in the ring. Yeah. You know, and uh, the uh, the the their their wrestling uh, champion guy got in the ring. And uh, Nikolai was being courteous and greeted him and and was like, you know, like, and the guy ripped his shirt off and challenged Nikolai right then and there.
2: Oh, no. And
1: I was just like, really, guy? Like, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. But, yeah, this kid, you know. What
2: wrestling guy, though?
1: He was the wrestling guy for the military academy that the show was at. He was a student there. He was there, one of their amateur wrestlers on their wrestling. He was a big, jacked-up guy. You know, Uh all all pimply covered back. I'm not saying, you know, (laughs) he had injectables or anything.
2: No no testing at the military. But apparently
1: in 1998, they weren't, you know, at least it was Halloween. So it's preseason, you know. (laughs) Anyhow. So he but he rips his shirt off and he's all jacked up and he challenged Nikolai. And Nikolai was probably 70 then. No, but legit was in his 650s then, I bet nineteen ninety eight.
2: Oh, well, he did start back in the sixties. Yeah, so. he did.
1: So in ninety eight he probably was in his you know high forties or fifties then. Yeah,
2: I mean his fifties.
1: And Nikolai just smiled and was like, Oh no, no no like and the guy was persistent and of course all his friends were at ringside and they think this is all great. So yeah. finally Nikolai, you know, the, the guy charged him and Nikolai slapped a front face lock on and just took him right down and just laid there and just started smiling. And <laughs> and it was the absolute best because Nikolai literally just took him to school. It was
2: yeah,
1: yeah, it was amazing.
2: And it's funny because the kid was a college guy. Yeah, I mean a wrestler guy.
1: Yeah, Nikolai you was know, Nikolai was would, 50 years why old.
2: If you're an amateur wrestler. Why would you charge anybody?
1: I don't know, but I guess he just you know Nikolai wasn't taking the bait, so he went at him. Nikolai just slapped him in a front face lock. First, Nikolai backed himself up to the corner, and he used the corner to hold him up, and he just held the kid. And Nikolai was just smiling. You'd see him kind of tweak up a little bit and lift the kid up onto his toes every couple of seconds. And then Nikolai took a step out, took him right down on the canvas, held him down there, and then said, Are you all done, huh? And I guess the kid must have said yes. Nikolai got up, and the kid got up and shook his hand and took off, left the ring, walked out of the building. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh,
2: and also Nikolai was like 280, 290. Right? Oh,
1: yeah, Nikolai's a big
2: guy, yeah. Huge. Yep. His, I think 200 of it was his chest.
1: <laughs> he was barrel-chested, that's for sure.
2: <sighs> but according to Iron Sheik, he still has the same suit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, hey, Larry, thanks for coming on today.
2: Absolutely, have me back sometime.
1: Oh, we'll definitely do this again. We'll definitely do All this right. again. We basically just—there uh, was no format to this. We just sort of scratched the surface, though, I guess, a little bit.
2: Oh, dude, I, you can tell, bro. We'll, we can. Me and you are friends. We can just talk <laughs> forever. And wow. I think people will like it because me and you talk enough yeah. that it, it spurs stories in our heads that we haven't thought about in forever.
1: Oh no, absolutely, it did. Yeah. You know?
2: All those, most of those stories I hadn't even thought about in forever, man. That's,
1: that's, yeah, that's the way but it works. I also don't
2: have friends like you that I've known for 18 years. Most of my wrestling guys now have been in the business seven or eight years.
1: Yeah, I've noticed it's, it's getting less
2: and less. They're all gone. Yeah. All there is is the old, untalented, fat, white guy who plays a stupid character instead of a serious wrestler. And all the other ones are pretty much gone, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kurt's doing his thing, obviously, and Booker. Who else?
1: Uh, Literally, that's about it. I mean, Steve, Scott, DeSanto, yeah. Her- I mean, Heresy, they're all done. Yeah. Yeah, they're all done. Uh, see, uh, I saw Hasty a couple years ago at a show.
2: He's not doing well.
1: Oh No, that was actually 2012 was the last time I saw him. It was that long ago now already.
2: Yeah. I had his first match back when he took all that time off at the old Christian show. Yep. Yeah. He, he goes, Larry, would you take care of me? Absolutely, Adam. So we had a match, and he's like, he's like, you made me look like a million bucks. I said, yeah, I told you. <laughs> you know, th- that That's what I consider a worker, man. That's yep. what I consider a good worker is someone that can work with the young kids. Anyone can work with somebody better than them as long as their ears are open. But the guys that can pull good stuff out of guys less talented than them are what I consider a good worker. So that's why I love training, because that's all I'm doing is working with the kids that are younger than me. You know? Yeah. All right, brother. I gotta go. I gotta go poster for the next town.
1: Yeah. Oh, you gotta go work. The, gotta go work the gimmick, huh? Gotta go I hang your posters, gimmick, brother
2: i got to go make my $5 an hour. (laughs) That's about what it turns into.
1: (laughs) Well, have fun, man. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks a lot, Mike. I'll
1: talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Larry for coming on the show, having a great conversation my old friend. Uh, Please find him on social media. He's the scuffling hillbilly Larry Hunley. You can find him on Facebook. Uh, I don't know if he's on Twitter. That's okay. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at SuperstarML. And the show is at A Thousand Holds Pod. Don't forget our Facebook presence. Thanks a lot.